likes to play. As a 13-year-old, 14-year-old kid learning the game, who could want anything more? I take, my, I take my kids up there all the time. I, I love that place. I, I love, too, that... When, like growing up, the 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 par five, I think it's whole. I want to say it's six, where it's like steeply downhill, and you got the trees to the right, and then it goes straight up, and then goes straight up. It's like the longest hole in the world when you're like 13 years old. And then I got a little bit older. I'm like, oh, this is <laughs> this is not a very hard. Like any pro would just go right over the trees and have like a chip shot in for you know their second shot. Also, it is the greatest sled riding hole of all time because it has two slopes. For all kids in the wintertime. Once we get a good snow, that's a great sled riding hole. Fantastic sled riding. Uh, we have actual sports stuff to talk about. We'll get there eventually. I, I guess the topic still on everybody's mind and continues to develop is conferentry alignment madness, which I've said this before. I'll say it again. I get that it gives us something to talk about in the summer, which is a nice little olive branch. I'd still prefer it if we were doing, I don't know, like breaking down Virginia's second string offensive line because it's... It's annoying. You don't know who to believe. Stuff gets reported. Is it really substantive? Is it really not? I feel because now everybody's waiting for the next big shoe to drop. And I kind of feel like it's not going to be a deal where there are leaked reports and then there's the slow build and we actually get the news. I kind of feel like it's going to be like the last two times something's happened where it's bam. Out of nowhere. Oklahoma and Texas to the SEC. Bam. UCLA and USC to the Big Ten. And nobody really understands what's like how this happened or how nothing leaked because that's kind of the way it's been going, it, which is weird in this day and age where every time something big tends to break in other avenues of the world, you kind of are prepared for it. But the last two times we've had something gigantic changing the whole landscape of college athletics, it's been a shot in the dark that we nobody ever saw coming. You know, and I think right now, for me, I think a lot of people think that next big domino is going to be Notre Dame. And Notre Dame is a huge domino, don't get me wrong. But Notre Dame knows that Notre Dame could go to the Big Ten anytime it wants. Notre Dame knows it could go to the SEC anytime it wants. I don't think Notre Dame feels like Notre Dame is in a rush. No. Right? So who's in a rush? Because now I think you probably have a lot of schools and probably a lot of decent-sized decent, decent sized schools are looking out there right now and saying, if we don't make a move, like we're going to be left out. Even big schools. Like, I think Louisville. 100% Louisville. But I'm even, I'll, I'll even say, and, and we're talking about the Grand Land the grand landscape of things, right? Like, what's Clemson doing right now? Reaching out to the Big Ten and the SEC. Right? Like, yeah. don't you think, like, a place like Clemson, a, a massive football school like that, like, they're probably being proactive. Um, and, and you know, I I wonder what a lot of these schools are doing because you got to think that they're trying to make moves before a move is made on them. If you're an ACC fan, and obviously I am, and I assume a majority of listeners are as well, what you've heard over the last, 72 hours or so can't be overly encouraging or comforting because you're getting a lot of reports from people who are talking to, of course, it's always done anonymously. You're talking to anonymous school executives, ADs, presidents, whoever, and they're all sort of implying if we get an offer, yeah, we're gone. Like we're, we're trying to make sure that this can happen. We're trying to make sure we can get out of this grant of rights deal. We're trying to make sure that we don't get financially destroyed by the ACC. We're having our lawyers looking at the, the language in that contract. We're, clearly reaching out to the Big Ten and the SEC directly. And if we got that life raft right now, we're jumping in. And I, I think that you're you're right in saying it's not just schools like UofL that don't seem to have you know maybe as much sure footing as Clemson and Florida State. I think it's those schools too. too. I think you've got those middling schools. North Carolina is getting thrown out a lot there too, which is interesting because if this is all about football, which 
it may not all be about football. It's 98% about football. Oh, yeah. North Carolina football's not been great, no. and they don't have a big fan base. Well, and, and look, here's the thing with the, the North Carolinas and the, and the Dukes, and, I, and I've seen some things where like a Duke and like some of the other, you know, um, academic institutions would kind of kind of join and, and do their own thing, like their own conference, so to speak. And that would some be— Some of them academic schools. That would be fine. But look, you know, Duke and North Carolina, they've been in the ACC, and they've been taken care of by the ACC forever. Sure. And so I think a lot of us on the outside looking in are like, look, the ACC, and not just the ACC, we're talking Big 12, Pac-12, you know, those days are numbered. Feels like it to me. For sure. Right? Like we're getting ready to go to two super conferences. So schools that were looked at by one entity may not be coveted by those other two conferences. It may not, they may not be, you know, coveted by the Big Ten. They may not be coveted. Uh, by the SEC, you know, uh-huh. you may look at those other schools and, and, you know, Louisville may actually have, you know, more of a bargaining chip in some of this over maybe the North Carolinas and maybe even the Dukes, because regionally, if you're in the SEC or the big 10, they're pretty, they're pretty in, in a pretty good spot regionally. We know what TV does here in this, in this market, mm-hmm. what, what things happen in, in this market. And a lot of this is about TV but it's also like Louisville has a, a pretty good array of sports that they can bring to the table. And yes, it's 98% about football, but you're also, at some point, you also need to, to piece in the board a little bit. Which is why, and this is, it sounds like a homer take. I know I sort of said the same thing on Friday. I'm constantly surprised at how low it seems like Louisville is in the totem pole when, it, when you look at like, People will do these drafting available schools for realignment moving forward. If this if this conference goes to twenty, if this goes to twenty, like who goes where and, and what's how's the totem pole shake up? And you see Louisville sort of in that mid range, and I don't really understand it just because one, we make a ton of money. We have the second most profitable apparel deal in the country. We are, regardless of what sport you're talking about, the biggest revenue producer in the ACC right now. And that's not just basketball. It's not baseball. It's, that includes football. If it's just because the football hasn't been what maybe people expected it to be when we joined the conference in 2014, I get that. But that can't be everything. Like There has to be other things taken into account. This is a this is a big-time city without a pro sports team. Louisville is a de facto pro sports entity in a large city. It generates a ton of eyeballs. It generates a ton of uh, spectators. I know attendance has been down here in the two major sports for the last few years. It's been down everywhere. And I think that there's a... It may never bounce back to where it was five, ten years ago. It's going to bounce back. I think you're going to see that this year with Kenny Payne. I think you'll see that if the team wins its first couple of games this year in football, if they beat Syracuse and they beat South Florida, I think you'll see a pretty big crowd Friday night against Florida State because it's Florida State, it's Friday night, and you've got the added momentum of the stuff happening on the recruiting trail. There is a lot to like about what Louisville Athletics brings to the table. And it's it brings me back to exactly where we were ten years ago. You know, Wherever you go, there you are when it was Louisville versus UConn for that ACC spot. And I'm like, how many drugs am I on right now? This is a no-brainer. I, I, if you're talking about UConn bas- men's basketball, sure, they won some titles recently, and that's a, we can debate the, the two programs to a certain extent. But overall, we clearly bring more to the table. And I feel that way when you're seeing Louisville compared to, like, I don't know, Boston College and some of these other schools. I'm like, yeah, they're in Boston. Nobody cares about BC Athletics. You go up there, they care more about Northeastern University hockey than they care about Boston College men's basketball or football when they're the, the state that they are. I still think, and maybe this is just naivety. How many times has Louisville played at Boston College? I'm just going to throw this out. And the intro, right? Right before the game. 
Welcome to Chestnut Hill. There is nobody, nobody there. Nobody. I was there for the Lamar Jackson game in 2016. There were maybe 400 people there at kickoff. And, and th- yeah, pre-COVID, nobody went. It's, it's, it's madness to me. And I still think when all is said and done, if this does wind up being a, a free-for-all and the, the Big Ten and the SEC are both going to grab six more schools or four more schools each and uh, it's all going to play out, I think there'll be a decent landing spot for Louisville or I think the ACC is going to be in solid enough shape that it's at least able to, to remain competitive. And if we're talking about the next shooter drop, I think you're seeing I think you're seeing what the next stage is going to be, which is the ACC is going to stand pat, at least the, the conferences. Some schools, I believe, are making moves behind closed doors, trying to, to position themselves to make a jump if it's possible. But we got the report today from Dennis Dodd, who's been on top of all this, uh, this stuff since it started, saying the Big 12 is openly... He said deep discussions was the, the, the term that he used. Not just discussions. These are deep discussions, Ken. With six Pac-12 schools. The Big 12, I think they now, they see the writing on the wall. Their move is, we're trying to be number three. The, Pac, the, the, the Pac-10, Pac-12, whatever you want to call it, they're done. Like They made a move today, too. It's laughable. The Big 10 and the SEC are going to be the top, top, top dogs. We're now in an arms race with the ACC and the zombie Pac-12 to be number three. And we're not going to lose it. We're going to take the best of the Pac-12. We're going to try to remain somewhat geographically normal. And that's our move. We're going we're to hold firm. We feel good about the schools that we're bringing in this year. These six schools, Colorado, uh, Utah, Arizona, Arizona State. I think the other two, would, be, would I assume, would be Washington and Oregon. I haven't done it mean, in front of me. For, for me, the, that makes the, sense. The, the schools remaining in the Pac-12, for me, the two that stand out to me is Oregon and Washington. Right. You know, because obviously Oregon, you get Phil Knight, you get Nike, and all that stuff. Uh, with with Washington, you got the Seattle area. I mean, Washington is a is, big TV base. Yes, hundred. Yes, so those two are the schools that really kind of stand out in the in the Pac-12. Those are, I think, on the the wish list. Like the Big Twelve may go after them, but look, with the Big Ten landing USC and, and UCLA, you know. I, I don't know. Maybe maybe the Big Ten tries to go out and, and get those two. Maybe the maybe like they, USC UCLA was the first fish. I feel like they like if UCLA and USC were fine with those two joining the conference, I feel like they'd already be there. Maybe that's kind of my thought. Is yeah. that they feel like we're going to own the West Coast in this market? We don't want it because any Pac-12 school that gets picked off, they claim <laughs> we're close to the LA market, right? Like even Utah is like, you know, we're kind of close. We're, we're, <laughs> we we have we have ties. You you can drive there if you really want to. Oregon and Washington are going to be direct competitors with UCLA and USC if they join a conference with them, just because all of a sudden it goes from two West Coast schools that have the you know, monopoly on what's going on over there in that conference to, to four. So I feel like they're probably going to keep them out of that league. Now, would the SEC go after them again? It's madness to talk about, but it's, this is the world we live in now. Would the SEC potentially target Oregon and Washington? Probably. Remember how, remember how I, I don't know if you felt this way, but I thought it was stupid. The Texas and Oklahoma was joining the SEC. Yeah, you know, like I was like, "Oh, that's that's dumb. doesn't work." Now, just say it out loud: USC and UCLA are joining the Big Ten and are excited about it. All bets are off at this point. Like, after that move, anything can happen. And it's been that way for a while too. Like, like you know, Creighton in the Big East seems strange. It has for a while. There's been a lot of like I think Denver was in the Sun Belt for a brief period of time. Like it's you know, the conference names are names. In name only, like there's nothing literal about them anymore. Even so, it was jar- it's jarring to see that map where it's like here are all the Big Ten schools, and then way the hell out there on the left coast, y- you have USC and UCLA, and it just does open the door for anything. Like, I wouldn't be shocked. Like, maybe Oregon goes to the Big East. Why not? 
Big yeah. East, Big East School, Oregon. Kansas now is talking about joining the Big East. It's just there's nothing, and there used to be that there still are practical concerns about this. The travel that USC and UCLA it may not be a big deal for men's basketball and football. No, it's but a every huge but deal for every, every other sport. sport. Every if you want to play like a casual midweek men's soccer game. It used to be something that where you can go there. A lot of these schools in conferences where they are relatively close will just take bus trips for that. Yeah. If it's a plane trip, even then, it's you fly out there in the morning, play the game, you're back by night. No problem going to class. Now, this is like a huge excursion. This is also the UC, same UCLA program that would not charter flights for its, even its biggest programs because of environmental concerns. And now it's like, well, that statement kind of blew up in your face. And, and, and look, I mean, you know, this is— it, it just is what it is when it comes to to this point, you know. And I think TV TV rights deals and and, and the cut that a lot of these schools get um, help this out. But outside of outside of football and men's basketball, there's a there's a few outliers in, in some athletic departments. You know, I, maybe in the SEC, maybe some baseball programs actually make money. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, but like you know, a lot of a lot of like even the really good women's basketball programs, some of them just break even. Sure. You know, like most of Outside of football and men's basketball, most most sports actually lose money, you know. And so, you know, one of those things. Remember, remember during you know COVID and and you know all of these departments were taking hits. They were cutting sports. Yeah, I don't want to see that happen. No, I don't want to see that happen. But you know, unfortunately, when you when you talk about some of these travel and some of these expenses that are gonna you know come up, you know. With some of this conference realignment stuff, you may that may be something that happens down the road, and and nobody, I, I don't want to see that happen. I also don't want to see this get to a point where fans stop caring. You know, I think that I think they already do. I think there's a lot of that, and I think a lot of people see the writing on the wall. I think especially with football, it's going to kind of become this thing where I'm not going to say it's entirely like baseball, where in baseball is people talk about how do you, how do they keep getting these gigantic TV deals how, how does they they how do all of these franchises make all this money it's really popular regionally if, but if you don't have a team you you just don't care and i feel like that like college football has always had universal appeal you know even if you don't have a team you wake up saturday you watch college game day you watch the madness unfold even when when i was growing up and louisville wasn't a anything resembling a player on the national stage i still loved college football i loved yeah. getting up and watching it now i think you're going to see more and more people just check out when it's two 20 team conferences and things are even more easy to predict at the start of a season than they are right now. And you've got, I mean, we have half the sport right now that has no chance of playing for the sports top prize. And I think that's only going to, we're not trying to solve that problem. We're just eliminating it by just pushing those teams out completely. Yeah. And I think it's going to end up hurting the sport. I think the fans, even though their specific teams are going to start checking out a little bit more. You had, there's a great post by a West Virginia fan on Reddit talking about how, like they just have no traditional rivals. You get excited for playing Texas and Oklahoma because it's Texas and Oklahoma, but it doesn't feel like a rival. It's not like playing Pitt for them back in the day or even Louisville when they we had that good rivalry going uh-huh. in the Big East. And I think you're kind of seeing that a little bit with Louisville. We've, we've sort of experienced that. People keep talking about the ACC not living up to expectations. And I think part of that is we haven't really formed those organic rivalries that you need to really feel like a true member of a conference. Because what did they tell Louisville when Louisville joined the conference? Virginia is your rival, yeah, right? Yeah. Like in football. Like it, it didn't just happen. And Louisville not beating Clemson hasn't helped either. Because that would be, they've played some great games. The fan bases have a nice little animosity. You had the great like Lamar Jackson, uh, Deshaun Watson feud. And if Louisville the, had it, won a call, though. I mean, that's awesome. That's awesome. If Louisville had just won a couple of those, I yeah. feel like that could have been a good rivalry. And 
it hasn't happened. And I think we're still just kind of waiting and seeing, like, you know, we don't, I don't care about Virginia. Even though Wake Forest and, like, Wake Forest and Louisville probably has been the weirdest, best, like, they've had the most animosity between the two. You had the Matt Coburn stuff. You had, you've had weird stuff going on with clock operators in both sports this past year. You've got the coaches not really liking each other when Clawson was there. You had the Wakey Leak stuff. The, the Wakey Leak stuff. I mean, but yeah. nobody, like, we don't really care about the other. Like, Wake yeah. Forest wants to be rivals with the Tobacco Road folks. We want to be rivals with the programs that we view as larger in stature. And just, it, it just hasn't felt, it didn't, it didn't happen as easily as it did in the Big East. It, 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 you know, you bring up a good point with Wake. Actually, that I feel like should be the rivalry because I do feel like both programs feel like they're better than the other. I think that's fair. You know? Yeah. Well, and, and, you know, I think it's, it's kind of like, especially in football, it's kind of like in that, in that, that specter, you know, there's going to be years that they're going to be better than Louisville. Louisville's going to be better than them. But, you know, like, they're going to have their certain years where where they're really really good, but I do feel like as far as the ACC goes, if Louisville could have beat Clemson a couple of those years, you know, I I was I was there the year that uh, Lamar Jackson won the Heisman. I think it was 2016, uh-huh. um, and and the, the the step out of bounds on on fourth down with James Quick, you know, yeah, uh, I was there going to take it down. Wasn't cool, wasn't great, <laughs> wasn't a fun walk back. Yeah, but you know that was that was that moment, right? Like then, and they've had other they've had other moments that they've been right in it. You know, last year for example, sure, um, another great chance to to win that game, even if if Clemson was down a little bit. But um, yeah, for for me, um, it just it feels like for fans with all of this, they just want to know when the carousel stops. Just let me know where my school is and what conference is when all exactly. all, all is said and done. Show me the schedule and then and then let's go to work. I think that they're exhausted by all of this and, and the ever changing landscape with college athletics. One hundred percent. I mean, speaking for myself, I'm exhausted with it. Yeah. it. It was fun when it first started because it was you know it felt like there've been a few moves here and there over the years, but it was they, they were few and far between, and it felt like this was a chance to kind of you know make it into a game like like who goes where how could this all work out and then when things settled down in 2013 officially you're kind of like okay let's just let's exist like this for a while let's get back to playing sports let's make the focus the focus and i think now we're in this period where it's kind of like is it ever going to stop are we just going to get to a point where we're just one gigantic ncaa and there are no conferences is everything going to be the sec or are we going to have just two leagues and nothing else and i do wonder we talked about this a little bit on friday I wonder if basketball can maybe benefit from this because football is this is all being done for football and it's going to have the biggest effect on football. With basketball, the Big Ten and the SEC and, and the you know, five power conferences are just the five power conferences. You're still going to have the Big East that's a big time player. You're, you have 26 other conferences in the sport. And because of the NCAA tournament, conference play, regular seasons, all that stuff, it doesn't matter as much in college basketball. Like, I wonder if people if that sport will benefit and some of the other sports will benefit more from just football kind of becoming a shadow a, a, a shell of its former self. It's just it's not going to look anything like it did w- when we were growing up. Or maybe or maybe basketball just kind of holds the status quo. Could right? Be. Maybe maybe Could it be. doesn't benefit. Maybe, you know, maybe it's just like hey, look, you know, you're either into basketball for your school or you're not, but also there's this tournament that you can that you have a chance you can qualify, you can get in and, and you can make a crazy run in this tournament. That always gives you a, a shot, but you know, there, I mean, there's still, there's still schools and there's still fans. Like they're not, I don't think that there's a fan out there, you know, that's, that's 25 years old or 30 years old. That's going to say, well, I'm going to be into this school now because of, sure. because of all of this. I don't think that that changes. I think I see men's basketball holding the status quo. 
you know, I don't know where this ride stops when it comes to football. I don't know what it's going to look like. I mean, you know, if you tell me the day the announcement was made for USC and UCLA to go to the Big Ten, I would say at some point in two years, it's going to be the SEC, and it's going to be the Big Ten, and everybody else is going to be on the outside looking in. If you can't get in one of those two leagues, you're done. So let me ask you this, and I know you got to get out of here. Five years from now, it's an impossible question to answer. To answer, I'm going to ask it anyway. I love it. I love it. Where do you see Louisville five years from now? Actually, I I actually do see, and maybe they're not one of the first ones that get into one of those two leagues, but I do I actually do think at some point that Louisville finds themselves in the in the Big Ten or or the SEC. I kind of think they still are in the ACC. Okay. I, I think a I think a few of the schools get picked off. I think the ACC adds a few, and then just kind of holds Pat, and they establish themselves as like the the fourth in the new group of four. It's not an ideal scenario. It's sort of it's where we thought we were going to be in the Big East when after Pitt and Syracuse left, and they kind of they added a couple of different schools, and there was more reshuffling, and it seemed like it was going to stop, and then bam, Maryland goes to the Big Ten, and bam, some other schools are getting picked off, and bam, we have a spot in the ACC. Like, I kind of feel like that's where it's headed, but it, nobody knows. Let's be real. So, 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 do you think? So you know, I think if if the AC if the ACC turns into um, the old Big East that Louisville was in, now we're talking about the ones after you know like Syracuse and yeah. you know all those guys left. If it, if they're still in that, then I I still think that that's that's viable. Now I don't think that that ever lends you with any chance to play for a national championship. No, you you could make the if they expand the playoff. You could get a spot, and then you could have a chance to play. But recruiting becomes tougher. Everything becomes tougher. I don't think it affects basketball. I don't think it affects the other sports nearly as much. But football becomes a much, much steeper hill to climb. But here's what you don't want. If they, if they're in the Big East, that's great. But you don't want to blink and be in the AAC. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, we saw that. We, we saw how hard it was for schools that we were on an even level playing field with for a long time. I mean, we saw what it did to, to other Cincinnati. Football ended up picking it up a little bit. Uh, UConn became stuck in purgatory there. They should basically just get rid of football now. Um, in, in some other schools, Houston and Memphis didn't really benefit from being in the AAC. It's and, and that's can, where you, what you have to avoid. And, and can we be honest if, if this is all a football conversation, can we be honest what Louisville home games look like in that conference? Yeah. I mean, they had Teddy Bridgewater. They were running through everybody and the stadium was half full. Because those schools didn't excite the fan base to come. And to be fair, it's probably not going to change. Like like that Louisville has always been a fan base that in football at least has gotten up for big games. They they'll sell out when they when they have Clemson here, they'll sell out when they have Florida State here, they'll sell out if they have a big time non conference game. They sold out for UCF when it was the only good team they played in twenty thirteen. But even when they have really good teams, if you if you're playing UConn, you're playing uh, South Florida back in the day, it was going to be 30,000, 35,000 people. Yeah. And I and we're seeing now, especially the last couple of years, I think it's the way it's going to be. They'll get yeah. up for we'll get up for big games, but it's never going to be a fan base at least unless we have decades of sustained success that does what Ohio State or Oklahoma or some of these other schools do where it's hey, this is what we do. It's Saturday, we're going to have 60,000, there's not going to be an empty seat there. We tailgate, we come back, we tailgate afterwards. That's your whole day. It's just we're in a unique situation where we are a big sports team, a big sports city without a pro sports team. 
there's stuff to do in Louisville. People have kids. You got soccer games. You, you, don't, you, don't, you can't build your entire day around traveling to the college sports town that's in your state and spending the whole day there, spending the night there. It's just not what happens. And, 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 and look, and also, you know, especially, I mean, th- this was actually happening even before COVID. Nobody sells out anymore. It very rarely. Nobody does. Yeah. I mean, because because people were like, look, look at this. Look at it. you know what I say. I was like, Alabama doesn't sell out anymore yeah. in football. Ohio State doesn't sell out anymore in in football. That tells you, yeah. like, especially in football, that tells you everything that you need to know. I mean, Notre Dame's what like forty one year streak of of selling out every home game came to an end uh, either last year or two years ago. Like, yeah. it's just it's it's a problem. That that part that part of this uh, equation is a problem everywhere. It is. It is. Ken, I know you got to run. You're off to the WHAS to. You know, do your thing. Run the six o'clock news. Catch him over there. WHS eleven. Flying in the helicopter. I'll say. I'll say this tonight in the helicopter. We're bringing Tyler. Tyler Griever was down at uh, the Barbasol Championship today. Talked to Jared Wolf, who was a PGA Tour player. Went to Butler High School here in Louisville, and then went on to to Murray State. So we've got a we got a piece on him tonight. That'll be awesome. And then tomorrow, you know, uh, Kent's gonna go out there and set a course record. And I'm probably I'm probably gonna get in the field this week. <laughs> it's gonna be great. <laughs> <laughs> Ken, I appreciate man. Check him out on WHS. We got more Mike Rutherford show coming up here next. Keep it locked right here on fourteen fifty the big X. This is the Mike Rutherford Show on the Big X Sports Radio. All right, welcome back in. Mike Rutherford Show, Tuesday edition. God, it's so hot outside. Gary Clark is filling in for, for Trevor this week on the board. Uh, Gary. 97 degrees right now. My God. And that's not the heat index. That's the actual temperature. It's unbelievable how bad it is. Thoughts and prayers to anybody who's actually outside doing stuff today. Did you were you able to? I don't know what your Fourth of July was like. Were you able to stay out of the heat at least as much oh, as you possibly could? You better believe it. We had we, we did the little we had our neighborhood is like a, a little like parade. We call it a parade. We walk like a block with That's a nice. Usually there's a pony. Usually there's a fire. <laughs> there was a fire truck this year, but the kids we, we put them in the wagon. Um, we pushed John on his his in his stroller, and mostly it's just for like kids to decorate their bikes and like ride for. I don't know, 15 minutes, but I'm dragging this wagon and about like five minutes into it, I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> I felt like I did like playing like back in the day, playing full on sports in the dead of summer. Like this is, this is just not worth it. It's today, not worth it and, all. today and tomorrow are supposed to be the worst days. I hope that the worst days of the year. I'm ready for this to be over. I'm done. I know some people like this. I don't, God help you. You belong in jail. This is awful. Uh, we've got, we'll take some text here in a second. 502-414-1450 is the Thornton's text line. Speaking of summer. It's summer cash bash at Thornton's. You've been, we've been talking about this for a few weeks now. Every week, Thornton's is rewarding one lucky refreshing rewards member with $10,000 in cash. That's going on all summer long, and they're ending the summer with a grand prize of a 2022 Chevy Tahoe. All you have to do to enter is this. Open that refreshing rewards app on your phone. Click on the summer cash bash icon. Boom, you're entered. That's not all, though. You can earn additional entries by purchasing select top brands like Mountain Dew 20-ounce bottles, hot dogs, Bud Light 12-packs, large Doritos, and many more, all using your Refreshing Rewards card. It's that Thornton Summer Cash Bash that's going on all summer long. If you're not a Refreshing Rewards member, very easy to get enrolled. Just text REWARDS, all one word, to 80313 today, and that's going to make it happen. Uh, Big thanks to Ken Spencer for stopping in, spending some time with us in studio here in the first segment. 
Obviously, we're focusing on conference realignment. It's still the big story. I've got a couple of other things that I want to get to in the second hour, but let's get to some text. Let's see uh, what you guys had to say here. I do love that, <laughs> that people are still blaming Trevor for the <laughs> the stream, uh, which, which is good. I, I like blaming Trevor for stuff when he's gone as much as possible. That's fantastic. Texture says, the stream starts 10 minutes late, and you all are talking about Trevor's love life. What the hell did I miss? Well, that's Stan. We're trying to keep Trevor's memory alive by talking about non sequiturs involving him in the first 10 minutes text says so begins the great twitter refresh as i wait to see if anybody else is having stream issues and no trevor not stream related to urine and then they said damn i just tried to call trevor out thinking i was talking about p and he's not even here today that's okay um Texture says, Travis Branham is now reporting on UK boards that DJ is looking more and more like a toss-up and less of a Louisville favorite. Sound the alarms. There's your DJ Wagner update of the day. We do have some updates from, we won't play this on today because Trevor's not here. It'd be wrong to do it when he's, I don't know, traveling the globe, doing his Trevor thing. But we do have some DJ Wagner updates. He's playing in Spain. He's playing for the uh, U.S. under-17 national team in that FIBA World Cup event. Um, we'll update on how it's going, who's over there. We have two U of L coaches that are in Spain, not just for DJ Wagner, but for some of the other recruits that are playing over there. One of them is not Kenny Payne. People have thoughts on that. We'll get into that a little bit later. Texture says, first hole of Crescent Hill has ruined my day many times, but the fifth hole with the downhill dog leg right always saves my day. That's the hole I was talking about. It seemed like the toughest hole in the world when you are a kid. And when you kind of figure out that if you just don't go in the trees off the tee, you're in good shape. You can probably, I think I made one of my first birdies on that hole. It's fantastic. Also, the the short par three that comes right after that, that's like 80 yards, dead center. I think I hit the green maybe one time in my life. It's the easiest shot in the world. Somehow I push it right every single time. But we love, we love the thrill. We love Crescent Hill. Texas says the decision makers will know more about revenue production than some guy writing for ESPN News. Yeah, he's talking about the why... We're making the point that this news, when it comes to realignment, it's not been a slow trickle. It hasn't been, hey, this school is, is looking at this conference, and this conference is in deep talks with this uh, this school. And then that report eventually comes to fruition with a that school is joining that conference. It's been, bam, out of nowhere, USC and UCLA, they're in the Big Ten. Bam, out of nowhere, Oklahoma and Texas, they're going to the SEC. The, the, the crazy thing to me has been, when the report comes out, like the USC and, and UCLA thing, which has only been five days ago, it feels like it was 15 weeks ago. We get the report. You think that's kind of weird. Is that is this really going to happen? And then four hours later, it's done. Like there's been a vote. Schools have accepted. Conferences are in. Doom. Boom. We're done. That to me is kind of shocking. Now, the texture says it's because people putting together those lists often don't know that information. The decision makers will know more about revenue than some guy writing for ESPN News. That's probably right. We're talking about U of L being down on the totem pole. I still like to think that that's going to be the case. That the people who are making this big money are going to see Louisville in more of a attractive light than the people who are making these lists and who are ranking the teams most likely to be lured in by the Big Ten or lured in by the SEC. You can't help but feel a little bit snake bitten because for years and years and years, I mean, look at the what happened when the Big 12 expanded back in 2011. And we thought we had a very strong case to make over West Virginia. Football was good. Clearly, they'd been a better football program for a longer period of time. But if you're looking at television market, if you're looking at pretty much any other sport besides football, if you're looking at overall revenue, we were ahead of West Virginia even back then. And we still didn't get that spot. And I don't even know how close it was. 
And then to even the fact that the race with UConn for the ACC spot was as close as it was, was a little bit unsettling. That should have been a no-brainer to me. And I think when you're seeing Louisville compared to some of the other schools that they've been better at both on the field, on the court, and schools they have more to offer off the court and off the field, and we're seemingly behind them, it makes me a little bit nervous. I think I think if you're a fan of any program right now that's not quote-unquote in, if you're not safely in the Big Ten, safely in the SEC, you have to feel at least a little bit nervous. Even Clemson. Who knows what's going to happen? And the ACC, I want to talk about a little bit about this next hour. The ACC is not helping anybody. In fact, a lot of the moves that they've made, both recently and not so recently, have kind of turned the conference into a prison. We'll talk about that coming up in hour number two. Texas says, do you think there's any chance of the Big 12 schools in the East, mainly Cincinnati, West Virginia, and UCF, would jump to the ACC? I think the ACC will try. And that's going to be a tough one because if you're Cincinnati, if you're UCF, if you're Houston, BYU, you kind of feel like you've been, you've been floating around waiting for a lifeboat, waiting for a raft waiting for somebody to come and save you for a long time. For Cincinnati, I'm sure it feels like it's been a decade. I'm sure it feels like 50 years. And you've been financially hurt by this. A lot, in a lot of cases, you've been, your sports have been hurt by this. Memphis basketball, after losing John Calipari and being stuck in the AAC, has taken a significant hit. They haven't really been a, a, much of a national player since that all happened. Cincinnati football clearly has done well for itself. We'll see what they do in a bigger conference. West Virginia football, since making the, the move to the Big 12, has been... Not great. But if you're Cincinnati and these other schools that are now jumping into the Big 12, I wonder, and this is probably, again, naivety talking, I wonder if there's any sense of loyalty. This was the conference that reached out. This was the the life raft we've been in need of. It would be just even for big-time college athletics. So snake-like, so crappy to bounce on them after a year or two in this league. Again, I'm probably just... <laughs> probably a Pollyanna take on the world. Of course, if the money's right, they're probably going to jump. But I do wonder if that comes into play at all. And I also wonder if the contracts have make it less likely for them to bounce in short time. We know that that's the case with the ACC, and I think it's why the ACC has not become a very attractive option for a lot of schools in this ever-changing landscape. Text that it'd be nice if people could be courteous and get their dogs and kids to shut up in the morning. I was up late shooting off fireworks all night. There it is. <laughs> Gary liked it. Gary laughed. Uh, I get it. Like I, I was, I was kid childless and dogless at one point in time. I enjoyed like the fireworks off. I just got to say on the other, uh, when, when the shoes on the other foot, it sucks. There's, there's no way around it. You think we'll have a July 5th celebration tonight? July 5th. Yeah, July 5th started at like 6 a.m. with my kids screaming and waking everybody up. <laughs> I'm going to let my dog just go nuts. I, I, again, I'm fine with it until like 11 p.m., maybe even midnight. It's annoying to keep my kid up, but I'm okay with it. The ones at 3 a.m. are the ones where I'm like, what are we doing? Oh, it's a work day tomorrow. The holiday's over. Stop. And the ones that are going to go off tonight, I think, are going to annoy me even more. Well, I think legally they have to stop at 11 o'clock. They don't in my neighborhood. Uh, that's all I can tell you. That's because you live in one of those, uh, you know. Anything goes. Anything. <laughs> anything goes here. The wild, wild streets of St. Matthews. Uh, I mean, it's... And, and like Kent was saying, it also it becomes like Fourth of July week. It's 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 a full week. They're going on like in our neighborhood. We'll have it going on until, until like July seventeenth. I'm like we've 
America's birthday's over. It's been over for a while. You're not like a 16-year-old girl. You don't get a whole month. This is not the way it works. Stop with the fireworks. But I also, I understand it. I, I get that I'm old. I've accepted it. I'm going to be curmudgeon from now until I die. It's the way it's going to be. Did you set off fireworks at your house? No. You have, didn't? I got kids. I got young kids. I got an eight-month-old and a two-year-old. We're trying to get them to sleep. Get them started young. I, I need sleep, Gary. Oh. I, I need it. I, I need them down so I can go down. And these fireworks aren't helping. You know, these fireworks places are having big sales today. <laughs> I, I won't be partaking. Everybody in my neighborhood will go buy some fireworks, and they'll be shooting them off again tonight. I won't be partaking. Texas has a question for five years from now. If things settle down and UofL isn't in the top football division nor any plan for relegation slash promotion concept for top division, should there be serious consideration to shut football down and figure out what to do with Cardinal Stadium, such as put a dome on it for basketball or other events better than minor league football and a one-third uh, full stadium? Look, I, I get any hypotheticals on the table right now. That seems like a even more hypothetical that's out there than, than not. I think there would still be a, an appeal. If, if the scenario happens that I – everybody's just guessing. I think the ACC is going to survive this – it's going to take a significant hit, but it's still going to be around. Like the Atlantic Coast Conference is still going to exist in some way, shape, or form. And it's going to, I think, lose a handful of its top members. I think bring in a couple of lesser members and still be around, I don't know, 14, 16 teams. That is, unless it gets proactive and, and does what the Big 12 is doing right now and try to court some of these Pac 12 teams and try to get to 20 already. But if that does happen, if it's a diminished ACC, there's still value in Louisville playing football at a relatively high level. There's still been value for, even though we just were, were mocking it and saying this is not the position we want to be, there still was value for those schools playing in the American Athletic Conference to play in the American Athletic Conference, to be a group of five team that's among the best group of five teams. We saw Cincinnati. I keep using them as an example. That would be what you would want to point to. Would it become an even taller hill to climb than it already is right now to potentially win a national title? Sure, of course. If the playoff does eventually expand to 12 teams, and I think it, it's going to expand at some point, whether it's 8, 12, 16, what have you, it's going to get bigger. There's still going to be a spot at that table for the ACC champion. There's still probably going to be a spot at that table for like an 11-1 and ACC team that is, I don't know, beating one of the Big Ten schools, beating one of the SEC schools during its non-conference slate. With that being the case, you can't just give up on football especially with right now Louisville taking a giant leap of faith in recruiting, doing things it's never done on the recruiting trail. You have to hope that this can all get to a point where even if it's not ideal for Louisville, it's still lucrative. It's always going to be lucrative. These AAC teams that have been middling for a while, they still get big money from playing in bowl games. They still get the benefits of, of the TV contracts for the conferences. They may not be playing on a level playing field with the Power 5 conferences, but it's still a big deal financially for them. It still helps. Look at what UConn's done. It's killing itself. It's, it's crippled. Making the move to the Big East was great for its fans. It's great for, I think, the overall program. I think it was the right move. But financially, it wouldn't have been as good as if they had been better at football and stuck it out in the AAC. And that's just the way it is. Football is the cash cow. That's not changing anytime soon. 
I've got other thoughts on this conference realignment stuff. We, we, I, I want to react to today's news from Dennis Dodd. I want to react to some of the stuff that's being talked about by ACC folks. Uh, I want to hear from you as well. Again, 502-414-1450. That's the Thornton sex line. Fill that up. If you've got other questions, we will get into some of the DJ Wagner stuff coming up in hour number two as well. I know some more questions have come in about that. It's your day. Let me know what you want to talk about. We'll make that happen. Conference realignment madness, though. We'll start that off in hour number two. It's on the way next here on the Mike Rutherford Show on 1450 AM and 96.1 FM, The Big X. This is the Mike Rutherford Show on the Big X Sports Radio. Back in hour number two here of the July 5th edition of the Mike Rutherford Show. Hope your holiday weekend was fantastic. Hope it was, uh, you know, got the most out of that extra day. Love Tuesdays that feel like Mondays. I keep f- feeling like it's Monday. I'm like, ah, long ass week. And then boom, not quite as long, which makes it nice. It's, it's, it's the best feeling you could possibly have on a Tuesday, which is, uh, it kind of feels a little counterproductive to say you like feeling like it's a Monday, but then boom. Hit you that it's Tuesday, you feel better. Also, I finished, Trevor will be proud of me, I finished Stranger Things, finally. The the last two episodes last night, I now need something new to watch. I will make a call out for people to help me out with that. Um, I've got thoughts, I'm not going to share them here. It, it's only been a week since the, the last two episodes were released, so I'm not going to share my thoughts. I enjoyed the season, I was a little bit disappointed by the last kind of movie episode, but we'll get into that when we need to get into that. We'll stick with the theme of today's show so far, which is continuing to react to all the latest news on conference realignment front where Louisville stands what we need to do what's wrong with the ACC I guess if there's a big piece of news from today it's this piece from Dennis Dodd which is saying that the Big 12 is not doing what the ACC is doing the ACC is standing pat at least their leadership is they're saying we're not overreacting to this we're not trying to make any moves I think the member institutions behind the scenes are doing the opposite I think there's definitely some moving and shaking that's trying to be done by some of these programs. I think Louisville, uh, Josh Hurd talked with Tim Sullivan today in the Courier Journal. Uh, he had some comments. We'll talk about that a little bit later. But as far as the leadership, the ACC is saying, no, we're good. We're going to wait and see how this shakes out. Maybe we'll react in the line. The Big 12 is not doing that. According to Dennis Dodd of CBS, the Big 12 is involved in, quote, deep discussions to add multiple Pac-12 programs as a way to shore up its membership in the wake of USC and UCLA defecting to the Big 10. <coughs> This is clear, a clear move that the Big 12 is saying we may not be able to compete with the SEC. We may not be able to keep compete with the Big 10, but we want to be number three. Number three is at least ensuring survival. And number three is not the worst spot in the world to be in. We've seen teams from the number three conference win national titles in various sports, maybe not football, but they at least have a seat at the table, right? The schools that we're talking about here, specifically, Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, and Utah. They were mentioned as specifically being teams targeted by the Big 12. There's also consideration, according to Dennis Dodd, of adding Oregon and Washington to make the Big 12 an 18-team league. 
the interesting thing in that to me is that Oregon and Washington are, are being viewed as secondary. Like we were talking about with Kent, those seem to be the two big cash cows that are still out there. Oregon has Phil Knight. They've got Nike. They've also been pretty good. I mean, Oregon, if we're being honest, has been better at football recently than, than either USC and UCLA have been. If this is just about on-field product, Oregon is the first school that gets swooped up. Washington has been in the playoff, too. They've been better than UC, USC and UCLA. They've got a gigantic TV market in Washington. I don't know why you go to those other four before you go to Oregon and Washington, but that's the reporting. Uh, quote, everything is on the table, says one Big 12 source, and there is no question that the Big 12 has to be aggressive in expansion, another conference source said. The ACC disagrees, apparently. Uh, a source familiar with the negotiations said that doesn't necessarily mean that the Big 12 will be all together in, quote, three, or the Pac-12 will be all together in three months. The Pac-12, they made an announcement today as well. They said they're going to enter into an exclusive 30-day negotiating window with current right holders Fox and ESPN before entertaining other offers from other bidders. I don't, I know there's been some differing opinions on this. I, I don't get it. The Pac-12 is not in a position of any sort of strength. They just lost two of their biggest member institutions. There's talk that the rest of their biggest schools are going to be picked off. And they're sitting out here saying, hey, ESPN, hey, Fox, come fight over me. And if you guys don't fight over us the right way, we're taking other offers. I, It just seems like a, I, I don't know what they're doing. But if I had to guess, I think the Pac-12's done. Pac-12 feels like it's done. They have a deal with Fox and ESPN that expires in 2024. The Big 12 has a deal with the same exact two networks. That expires in 2025. It's not a small thing. It's bad timing for the Pac-12. All these things have been talked about, says uh, one Big 12 source, adding that all four of those schools that have been talked about as being targets of the Big 12, they would move that conference into the mountain time zone. That would create partners for schools like BYU. Um, it also would create a rival for BYU if they added Utah. The Arizona schools are right there. They're two hours apart. That can be, They could be travel partners. The Pac-12 has done this for years. We talked about how all their scheduling in basketball, you go to one location, you play two schools. You go to L.A., play USC one day, UCLA a few days later. Go to Arizona, play Arizona State a few days later. That's the way it works. And this would make things a little bit easier geographically and travel-wise for the Big 12 if they added these schools. Maybe that's the big, I guess, allure of this quartet over Oregon and Washington I don't know. Uh, Pac-12 is also not doing well financially. We knew this going in. It's becoming more and more apparent as time goes on. Their projected AAV dropped significantly from $500 million annually to $300 million for the remaining 10 teams after USC and UCLA bounced. That's according to the San Jose Mercury News. That's not good. If this is all about money, the Pac-12 doesn't seem to have a whole lot of it. Now, the ACC situation is a little bit unique. We talked last week about the TV deal being a big-time blunder on the ACC's part. Some people are saying, based on their research, the ACC could have made twice as much money as they did off their TV deal if they had split it between ESPN and a different network like these other conferences did. We talked about both these pro both these conferences, the Big 12 and the Pac-12, have mutual deals with Fox and ESPN. If the ACC had done something similar, they could have doubled their, their, their cash. They didn't do that. Also, pushing back and according to a lot of people being the key factor in keeping the playoff from expanding from four teams to 12 teams kind of blew up in your face. That would have helped you. That would have created more stability. There probably would have been less conference realignment madness. You would have been in less of a vulnerable spot. 
He didn't do that. Didn't work out well. Leadership continues to fail its member institutions. Here's another way it did. And I kind of don't fault the ACC as much for this one because after the last mega helping of conference realignment, the ACC wanted to protect itself. They wanted to say, we feel like we're, if not the most vulnerable of the Power Five conferences, at least the second most vulnerable. It's us with the Pac-12. We want to make sure that schools can't bounce. We want to make sure that we don't have happen what the Big East had happened, which is they add a bunch of schools, they have some success, they're gone three, four, five years later. So they locked everybody into this grant of rights deal, this television contract with ESPN that's going to last until 2036 and said, you can't lose. You, you can't leave. If you leave before 2036, you're not making any money. And Notre Dame, if you want to join a conference and you want to join before 2036, it's not going to be any conference besides the ACC. Now the language in this, this grant of rights deal is being scrutinized heavily. I know Schools that want to leave are going to try to find a way to leave. I'm sure some of them would be willing to take a a hefty financial punishment. I'm sure the Big Ten would probably help out with that. The SEC would probably help out with that. But the the ACC has done all it can to lock its 14 and a half, if you want to count Notre Dame, member institutions in for as long as possible. Because they, they foresaw something like this happen again. And they wanted to make sure that they weren't going to be the victim. You never want to be the, the, the one victim when all the dust settles. The only issue with that is, you also can't attract schools. You can't be proactive like the Big 12 is doing right now because some schools don't want to be locked in until 2036. Or if you're adding new schools and you want to extend that grant of rights, you extend the contract, they don't want to be locked in for longer than that. So the ACC, I think, is banking on their contracts holding, which I think is a, a foolish, foolish bet. How often do we see seemingly airtight contracts get blown apart these days in major American sports? If there's enough money to fight it, it's going to be defeated. It's going to be broken. But the ACC is saying, we don't think anybody can leave. And we'd rather keep everybody and keep this league together as much as possible than go out there and add Arizona and Arizona State and Utah and Colorado and whoever. And those schools may not want to come, even if they are pursued because of this deal. I saw somebody describe it as the ACC has created a, a prison-like environment. That's not ideal. Now, uh, ESPN's Pete Thamel, he kind of broke down for an, in, in an ESPN Plus article today about the states of the other three conferences, the, the non-Big Ten, non-SEC conferences, what the Big 12 is doing, what the ACC is doing, what the SEC is doing. And here's what he had to say about the ACC. He said, when assessing the ACC in the race for number three, the fact that it's seemingly protected, that it is seemingly protected legally looms as a giant factor. The ACC has a handful of high-end properties left on the board, and those schools have agreed to a binding grant of rights that ties them together through, through 2036 when its ESPN television contract expires. The ACC's options are simple. Stand pat and select a handful of schools to open up the ESPN deal for potentially more revenue or enter a strategic merger. I think he's right. I think at the end of the day, and I still lean towards the ACC standing pat, probably losing a handful of teams at some point, adding a couple of, of lesser teams, but remaining the Atlantic Coast Conference. But if it's not going to do that, it's not going to do, I think, what the Big 12 is trying to do, which is become the third mega conference and become like a 20-team a competitor to the Big 10 and the SEC. I think it's probably going to be a merger. It's probably going to be them joining forces with the Big 12 and trying to emerge as a third super conference that is a legitimate competitor to those two leagues. 
Now, whether it's the, I mean, you have a lot of, it becomes a de-measuring contest to a certain extent. Which conference is going to give more? What does the name end up looking like? Is it the ACC? Is it the Big 12? Do they come up with some crazy new name that would probably suck? Who knows? But those seem to be the only two options. The issue for the ACC is that there are enough current members unsettled at the notion of the league evenly spitting, splitting its income between uh, its 14 football members that it's become a tension point. This is no small matter. And a lot of times when we've seen conferences dissolve or be dramatically weakened during realignment, it's been because of this revenue sharing tension point. And I I get it. It's a It's a very... I don't know, capitalistic thing. Clemson says, if we've been keeping this conference afloat in football for the last decade, which it more or less has, ever since Florida State fell off the face of the earth, it's been Clemson and kind of everybody else. And I know that hurts to say as Louisville fans, but it has been, let's be real. If you're a Clemson fan, if you're a Clemson administrator, if you're a Clemson football employee, you would say, why do we get just as much money from this as, I don't know, Wake Forest, Duke, BC, anybody. It's a tough question to answer for the ACC, and they better come up with a good one if they don't want to lose schools like that. If they don't want to lose Clemson, if they don't want to lose Florida State, they don't want to lose Miami. You better figure out what the hell's going on there. An industry source told Pete Thamel Thamel this, quote, leagues that aren't the SEC and the Big Ten need a different revenue distribution model. The top teams can't afford to support the bottom half of the league. To keep the bigger brands away from the Big Ten and the SEC, the bigger brands are going to need a bigger piece of the pie. If the ACC does, in fact, keep everybody, if it remains the ACC that we've known and kind of tolerated for the last 10 years, there's going to have to be a new revenue sharing deal. You can't have Clemson looking around at the vast amounts of money, the oodles of money that's going to be made from the SEC and the Big Ten. They're already kind of struggling a little bit, at least relative to their own standards when it comes to adjusting to the NIL stuff. I think they see other big-time programs taking maybe more advantage of this than they are, and it worries them a little bit. Keeping up with the Joneses in recruiting becomes a much, much, much taller task if it's you in a clearly third-tier conference going up against the Big Ten and the SEC, schools that you've competed with and been better than for the better part of the last eight years. I mean, Clemson has been, if not the best program in college football, they've been right behind Alabama. And if they want to sustain that, which I'm sure is their goal, they need money. They need resources. They also need the perception that they're going to remain in as strong a place as they have moving forward. They've been able to do all of this for the last eight years. They've won multiple national titles. They've been in the playoff, I think, every year but two since uh, since 2015. They've been able to do all of this while playing in a conference that does not give them nearly as much as a week-to-week spotlight as Ohio State has or as Auburn has or as Alabama has or Georgia has. It's not like they can't make this work if the ACC is in at least somewhat a position of power. They don't have to be the best conference in the world. They don't have to be the second-best conference in the world. Clemson can remain a national powerhouse and another school can join them as a sort of secondary powerhouse if the ACC just makes it financially viable for them to remain in the conference. So what does the ACC do next? Do they try to cherry pick some schools in the Midwest? Do they go after, I know TCU has been a big name out there, Oklahoma State, Houston, 
and try to maybe pick off the remaining core of the Pac-12 that the Big 12 is also targeting. It doesn't sound like it. The Big 12 is being proactive. The ACC is not. And I think at the end of the day, you're going to see the Big 12 probably land those four schools that they're really honing in on that Dennis Dodd says that they have had deep discussions with. I think you'll see the ACC try to ride out this storm as long as they possibly can. Eventually, the Big Ten of the SEC is going to come calling. And if these schools like Clemson and Florida State and Miami, North Carolina is the other name that keeps getting tossed out there, if they don't feel like they have the weaponry in the ACC left to be a national powerhouse, if they don't feel like they have the guarantees that things are going to be okay in the ACC, they're going to do the safe thing, which is jump. And then all of a sudden you are in a significantly weakened state. And I think that's dangerous for Louisville. It's dangerous for everybody else that's left in the conference. This is a, these are strange times. Uh, 502-414-1450 is the uh, Thornton's text line. We will go back to some of your texts here. Uh, Texture says, man, people are recommending the same shows to me. Uh, Texture says, with the near certainty of the Big Ten and the SEC expanding, could the ACC entice Notre Dame and Penn State by changing the ACC payment to be by viewership rather than equal split? If Duke only receives 1% of viewers, then they only get paid for 1%, etc. It's a good idea. I mean, it's an idea that I'm sure would be attractive to programs like Notre Dame, programs like Penn State. It'd certainly be attractive to Clemson. I just don't think, and Notre Dame remains the the white whale that's out there. They're the golden goose that everybody's chasing. They're the only school that I think conferences are going to to make a move on right now, the, the two big ones. There was a, a good story in the Wall Street Journal from uh, Lane Higgins basically saying, the Big Ten's, you know, the SEC made its big move. The Big Ten's made its big counter move. And for now, nobody's going to make any gigantic move anytime soon, unless it's a move on Notre Dame. Uh, the quote from a conference commissioner, no small quote, was the Big Ten would take them today, tomorrow, five years from now, 10 years from now. You would go to numbers that just stink for building schedules to add Notre Dame. And Notre Dame, look, they love this. They love this. They're the, they're the cool kid again, right? They've kind of been they've been at the mercy of every crappy joke on the internet for the last 10, 15 years. When they do get in the college football playoff, they get their ass kicked every single time. Um, people have been talking about you got to join a conference, you got to join a conference. What are you doing? Just join the ACC, go to the Big Ten. This is silly. And now everybody wants Notre Dame, and they like it. And is it undeserved attention? Probably. It's still a gigantic brand. They're you know the deal that has allowed them to remain independent, which is that TV deal with NBC, where they reportedly make fifteen million dollars a year that they don't have to share with anybody. That runs out in twenty twenty five. NBC probably not going to re up that. All of a sudden, that makes them more of a candidate, more of a likely candidate to join a conference. I've I said this before. I know that ACC fans are still holding out hope that Notre Dame joins the league. It's just, it's not going to happen. If they wanted to, if they had any inkling to join the the ACC, which they are a full-fledged member of in every single sport besides football, they would have done it. They did this stupid little half measure where they're playing four games against ACC schools every year. It's it's just not going to happen. If they join a conference, it's going to be the Big Ten. And I'll believe that until I'm proven proven wrong. It's It makes too much sense. The, the people of the Big Ten want it too much. I think the people at Notre Dame want it too much. They have established rivalries. Uh, with Michigan, they feel like they're more of a like traditional powerhouse. They belong with the Ohio States and the Penn States of the world. Michigan States, like that's that's their conference. That's where they're going to go. 
Also, the Big Ten's going to get a new TV contract that's going to pay them like a billion dollars. No small thing. Texas says, I think people need to pump the brakes on this realignment stuff and UofL being left out on the cold. I mean, in all honesty, there are only 8 to 12 teams total that could be considered for the top prize year in, year out. Shut football down in 10 years. Good grief. Overreaction of the year. I agree with that. I, I think I'm worried about the state, the future of college football just because it's it's not going to resemble what I like so much about it growing up. I think it's not going to resemble what, what most fans of specific teams have liked growing up. Now for the, I don't know, maybe like the the pro sports fan who pays a casual attention to college football, maybe this becomes better because you've got bigger names going at it every single week and you've got you know less work to, to figure out who's good and who's not. It's going to be Ohio State every year, Clemson every year, Alabama every year, Auburn every But we're kind of already there. Like last year getting Cincinnati in the playoff was fun. Let's not act like it wasn't a one-off. And let's not act like a lot of things had to go perfectly in UC's favor just to get in that spot, just to have that opportunity as an undefeated group of five team to play Alabama in a national semifinal. It's 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 not going to happen with any degree of regularity. And you're not going to see any of these schools that don't have a piece of the pie right now having a shot to play for a national title unless that playoff expands. And if it does, and some of the schools do what happens in March Madness every year, which is pull a couple of upsets, make a deep run, maybe not win a national title, but get to the Final Four, maybe play in the national title game, I think then you get a little bit of a, a changing in the landscape of the sport. But these moves are setting it up so that's not even a possibility. And that, to me, sucks. I don't like it. I, I think that things were better when... One of the best things about football is college football is that when you play in a conference with traditional rivals, multiple rivals. Every week kind of feels like a bowl game. Even if you've had a down, a bit of a down season, if you're Georgia and you've lost three games, but you're playing Florida in the world's greatest outdoor cocktail party, that still is an event. You're still showing up. You're still excited about it. You're not happy about the, the grand scheme of the season, but you're still focused and pumped up for that, that Saturday. You're showing up, you're tailgating, you're drinking, you're celebrating if you win. If you're Louisville, back in the day, when we played West Virginia, that felt like a bowl game, like a mini bowl game. Even when we were bad, if you beat them for that one day, you were celebrating like you weren't a bad football team. It felt great. It felt like it does when you beat Kentucky and you're having a bad season. With all of these regional rivalries, these long-term rivalries, the USC and UCLA have been in the Pac-12, Pac-10, whatever you want to call it, for 90 years. With all of those going away, it just feels like we're getting to a completely different place. I like this. I referenced this earlier, and I, I want to read a segment of this now from a West Virginia fan that remember how jacked they were when they made it in the Big 12 and how just despondent we were when we got left out in the cold. This is what was one West Virginia fan says now, 12 years after the fact. He says, I keep seeing a lot of posts regarding the novel fun of non-traditional conference matchups. While I understand that intrigue that comes from a schedule that has marquee matchups, take it from me, a school that has basically slow-rolled this for 30 years, these games become an absolute slog after like two years. For reference, WVU has had three and a half conference iterations since 1989. They were independent from 1968 to 1990. They were in the 1.0 version of the Big East from 1990 to 2004, the 2.0 version of the Big East from 2004 to 2011, and the Big 12 from 2012 until right now. With each iteration, WVU lost geographically relevant rivalries like Penn State, Virginia Tech, Pitt, etc. And in their place, we gained intriguing matchups that had little to no history and very seldom any geographical reference. 
After one to two matchups, these games become so underwhelming that it's hard to get excited if neither team is highly ranked. Playing unranked UConn in October or traveling to Lubbock to watch your team lose to unranked Texas Tech feels like a weekly low-tier bowl game. It has nothing to gain from it, and the uniform matchup just feels wrong. The Big 12 is a perfect example. I don't know a single Mountaineer who cares about playing any of our conference brethren. Sure, people look forward to playing UT and OU, but that's more out of those perception of those programs, not actual disdain or interest in any rivalries. We've been in the Big 12 for 10 years, and we have zero rivalries. Conversely, ask any Mountaineer what team they hate the most in football, and you'll get responses that are either Pitt, Penn State, or VT. WVU hasn't played Penn State since 1992, and some people still hold that candle. Pitt is probably our biggest rival, and we've not played them since 2011. Before 2017, WVU hadn't played Virginia Tech since 2005. All of that time never dampened any of the hate or interest. There is real fun and value in playing schools where your community is reflective of those rivalries. Conference realignment might work well for TV interest, but it'll absolutely gut the life force of college football, genuine passion, and rivalries. I know many people probably look to the NFL and think, well, distance between teams has no bearing on rivalries, but college football really is so different. After like three years, we'll see some of the deadest crowds possible for games like Texas versus South Carolina or USC versus Iowa. Familiarity in college football is what moves the needle. It's born from having to interact with the fans of the schools in your day-to-day life, and it's what can really make sub-500 games feel like they're meaningful. I'm not sure I'm just preaching to the choir, but thanks for coming to my TED Talk regardless. I think it's spot on. We never really got that. We were getting there in the Big East. I felt like we had the, the good thing going with West Virginia. Look at the rivalries we developed in basketball over the years. Marquette, we had no business being a rival with them in basketball. But playing in multiple conferences and becoming, you know, them becoming a, a player on the national scene, playing all of those competitive games in so many years that came down to the wire, Tom Crean being fiery and going at Rick Pitino, we had no choice but to become like, really good rivals. And that doesn't happen instantly. We've seen that in the ACC. I was talking about with Kent in the first segment. Louisville's been in the ACC now for, you know, this will be, what, the eighth full season? Who do we really call a rival? I feel like we have this discussion every summer. Our biggest rivals remain Kentucky, probably Cincinnati and Memphis. And honestly, West Virginia is probably fourth. And they're not even in the conference anymore. We've kind of had some fun back and forth with Florida State in football. They don't feel like a rival. People keep pointing to Clemson. We haven't beaten them in football. North Carolina and Duke, you know, we've had some some decent games in basketball, but you're never going to, you know, they have... Those two programs have like first, second, third, and fourth rivals already established. Virginia, the, the league keeps forcing it on us, but no matter how much they try, it's just not going to happen. We have nothing in common with Virginia. Besides Lachlan McLean, we don't see any Virginia fans. We don't interact with any of them. We don't care about them to the, to the, like that much. And maybe if we'd won more of the basketball games, maybe it would be more of a big thing. But they're not an easy program to just hate, just for the sake of hating. Wake Forest, we've had a, we've had some interesting interactions with. That, on its surface, should be the biggest rivalry that we have. But I think both programs don't really want to see each other as a rival. And who's Wake Forest to us? And Wake Forest is right there in Tobacco Road. They want to look at NC State, Duke, and, and UNC as their rivals. It's just, it all feels forced. And don't get me wrong, I, I like being in the ACC for the most part. I think it was the best possible landing spot for us from where we were. But in a perfect world, we would have maintained some of that momentum that we had in that new Big East, continued to to nourish those rivalries and watch them grow, and we'd be sitting here talking about what a great 20 years of, of games we've had against West Virginia and Syracuse and Pitt. And it felt like we were getting there. And then 
all this is going to keep disrupting it. It's just, it's not fun. It's not good for the fans. Texture says, if academic prestige is so important, why can't the ACC lure Florida and Georgia from the SEC? I don't, I mean, I don't think it is that important anymore. I think that, I think that argument's gone by the wayside. It's all about money. If you can bring more money to a conference, they don't care if you rank in the top 50 or the top 5,000 in the latest U.S. News and World Report school rankings. It's, it's all about money. That's, that's all it is. Texas, if the ACC does cherry pick teams, do you think UofL makes the cut? What happens if we don't? I think he means SEC. If the SEC does, I don't know. People keep saying Kentucky will never let Louisville in the SEC. Kentucky's not calling the shots here. Especially when we're talking about a conference that's built around football. We may not make it in. If we don't, it's not going to be because Kentucky you know, closed the gate. They're not, they're not running anything here. Texas, the grant... That grant of rights is not strong where they can settle out of court to make payments with the net gain from their conference TV deal less than yearly payments they'd owe ACC as the penalty for through 2036. Yeah. I can't tell you all the financial details. I keep seeing people make similar points. Others say opposite. I don't know. It feels like the wording is is key. At the end of the day, I don't think anything's going to to, to force a program to stay in the ACC if they really don't want to. If a conference really wants Clemson and Clemson really wants that conference, Clemson's going to go to that conference. No grant of rights is going to be a hindrance there. The money will be found. The deals will be made. It's going to happen. Texas says it's stressful cheering for Lou. Well, yeah. That's, that's yeah. Yeah, it is. Texas, I don't think it's shocking that the Sun Belt all of a sudden finds itself as the best G5 league and the CUSA who has set national has crumbled Sunbelt investing in regional rivalries has saved them. It's a great point. Now, is the Sunbelt the, the best group of five league? I need some evidence. I can't tell you that. I mean, I, the AAC still is relatively strong. Just had a team playing the, the college football playoff. I would assume the AAC is still the best group of five. But the Sunbelt does seem to have, you know, they held tight. They held firm. They held the line while other schools panicked and, and went out and got schools that weren't geographical fits and had seemingly no relevance to the rest of the conference. And the Sun Belt does seem to have done a, a good job. Now, they in other sports, they're kind of floundering a little bit. But football, they've remained relevant when they seem to easily be the, the, the conference that was the most likely to just disappear entirely or make a move down to the FCS level or whatever when this whole thing got really going a couple of years ago. All right, we'll take a break. When we come back, you guys have questions about DJ Wagner. We'll come back. We'll talk a little bit about that. If you have more conference realignment stuff, we'll get to that as well. 502-414-1450. We'll make that happen. Mike Rutherford Show rolls on now after this. This is the Mike Rutherford Show on the Big X Sports Radio. All 
All right, welcome back in. Mike Rutherford Show. Tuesday edition rolling on here on 1450 and 96.1, the Big X. Reminder, if you need sunglasses this summer, it's not too late. Middle of summer, 98 degrees out there. Sun's beating down on you. Got to go to one place, ShadyRays.com. Pick out any pair you want, any pairs you want. And when you check out, use the promo code BIGX. It's going to save you 15% on your purchases. And also, if you lose those glasses, if Trevor Kelsey comes storming into your house and just swipes them because he wants them so much, sits on them, rips them apart, does whatever to them, in the first 30 days, Shady Rays will hit you up with a replacement pair. No questions asked. That's the Shady Rays guarantee. ShadyRays.com, promo code BIGX. Make yourself cool all summer long. Uh, we had uh, Before the text, i got to read this text real quick. Before we went to break there, we're talking about, uh, obviously, still the conference realignment stuff, Louisville and the SEC, and the Kentucky fans saying, well, we may not let Louisville into the SEC. And I said, you know, Kentucky, Kentucky's not calling the shots here. And Terry says, let's be honest. If you really thought UK couldn't keep Louisville out of the SEC, you would have said why, rather than just using that as a point to act like UK doesn't have any pull. I thought the why was pretty self-explanatory. If this is all revolving around football, UK's got, like, what, the second or third worst football brand in the SEC? They've been pretty good recently it's still not a pro it'd be like saying Vanderbilt's going to keep Louisville out of the SEC because they don't like their baseball program because we've been rivals I mean I'm sorry at the end of the day UK football is not going to to call the shots here with who the SEC adds and doesn't add I thought that was even Kentucky fans have to admit that that's the case it'd be like us saying we would keep I mean no it it wouldn't be like that it'd be like our football program saying we're going to keep I don't know Auburn out of the ACC no it's not going to happen Texas, should we, uh, should we go ahead and jump for a new Big 12 ACC merger as part of the eastern flank with Cincy and w- WVU? Man, the alliance just fell apart so fast. It just fell apart so fast. Um, sure, whatever. I, it, I don't even know what to do. If Louisville were given an opportunity to jump ship, do you take the life raft? You don't know without knowing how bad the ride's going to be. You don't know where the ship's going. The ACC, at the end of the day, might end up in, in a better, stronger spot than we all thought. It's not going to be the Big Ten of the SEC, but if you're number three or you're right there with the Big 12 to be competitor for number three, you'd probably take that. It'd be better than, I don't know, jumping into – we just don't know. Like that's At the end of the day, we have no idea what's happening next. We don't know if the – we all assume the SEC and the Big Ten are going to make more moves and get to 20. We don't know that. We've got no idea. No, None of us know. Some good news on the basketball front. People have been talking about the roster. The one guy uh, who has been signed to a scholarship who has not arrived on campus is Devin Ree. There was some talk about you know his schedule at Oak Hill Academy is a little bit different. They go longer into the summer than some of these other schools, so he wasn't able to make it here for the first summer session. But as more and more time passed, more and more people got worried. He is now officially in the UofL registrar. He, he's an enrolled student. That would be a good sign of things. I, I am assuming he'll be on campus relatively soon. We'll find out for sure. I'm sure when, when, whenever he arrives, there'll be a video. That'll be a nice announcement. We're, we'll be good to go there. Jermaine Lole is in, the, in the, the registrar. Should be good to go. He was named by Pro Football Focus as the number seven defensive tackle prospect for the upcoming NFL draft. Good news there as well. Excited for fall camp to get going. Excited to see some of these newcomers. Excited to hear how they're doing. Should be a whole lot of fun. I also did see the UofL basketball video from over the weekend. Had Brandon Huntley Hatfield raining threes running back and forth, making seven consecutive threes from baseline to baseline. Apparently, all of our big guys are just going to shoot threes. We may not have more than one guard, but we're still going to play like uh, like, like old-school Villanova. We're still going to play like the Allen Ray, Corey Ray uh, <laughs> teams. Uh, Mike Nardi, those guys. Not Corey Ray. Uh, you know what I'm talking about. Um, Thornton Sexline says, 
let's say the serenity prayer, boys. Sure. Serenity now. Section says uh, Big 12, Pac-10, not ACC typo. Yeah, I, I got what she meant. Section says if it's, not, uh, if it's about football, the SEC won't get Duke or UNC. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah, this text is right. I, I I do want to bring this up too because we have to talk about the Vince Merrill stuff from over the weekend. I'm trying to pull up the tweets now. So Kentucky, I, I can't even tell you the, the the kid's name. The the kid's name who picks Tennessee over Kentucky. It happens on what Saturday, Saturday or Sunday. My, my days are getting all mixed up. A big time football recruit ends up picking Tennessee over Kentucky. And UK fans kind of lose their mind because this has been happening too, too often this offseason. And I do think there's a little bit of the rivalry effect going on. You know, remember, people were fine with Rick Pitino recruiting the way he was until John Calipari got to Kentucky and he started you know, getting number one classes every single year. And then it was like, why aren't you getting some of these guys? I think UK fans would have been happy with this type of class. They would have understand, understood a small step back from what they've been doing the last few years under Stoops. But then you've got Louisville now out there having a top 15 class and getting all these West Coast kids. And it becomes more of a thing. They see Louisville and other programs that are kind of in their same area benefiting significantly, seemingly, from the NIL stuff. And UK is not doing that. Mitch Barnhart has been, I'm not saying anti-NIL, but he has seemed to be behind on NIL since this whole thing got going. And I think UK fans, from their standpoint, are seeing this as a having an adverse effect on the football program. So UK loses this kid. And Vince Marrow starts tweeting through it and it'd be one thing if he's just tweeting through it that the big dog being the big dog doing his thing putting out grammatically incorrect statements but he's at he's at his daughter's wedding so this is july this was sunday and this is the sequence of tweets this is my favorite thing that's happened in a long time at 307 walking my daughter down the aisle today god is good that's fine you send that tweet out you enjoy the rest of the evening, right? You put the phone away. Daughter's getting married. Have some drinks. Do some dancing. Thank God. Shed a few tears. Share some memories. That's your night, right? 428. Less than an hour and a half later, after this commitment to this by this kid to Tennessee happens, about to enjoy the biggest day of my life. We will see them dudes in a few months. LOL. Go Big Blue. So still saying like, hey, I'm enjoying the biggest day of my life. I'm not paying attention to it, but I did see it and I am going to tweet about it. And then just can't help himself. 9.46. Seemingly in the middle of the, the the reception, right? I have much respect for that young man. I'm happy when any kid goes to college, whether it's Kentucky or any other school. It's football, not life or death. Back to my daughter's important day. Go Big Blue. Incredible stuff. And my, my favorite tweet of all, the UK fans in the middle, like somebody's correcting all of his grammar. He says, you know, biggest day of my life live instead of life he, he uses weather's wrong he uses daughter's wrong and some texters some twitter corrects his grammar and this guy goes he's on his phone at his daughter's wedding maybe cut him some slack for not taking extra time to check his auto corrects maybe the first part should explain the second part but this was i mean just fantastic fantastic stuff that you could not have gotten 10 years ago, the, the internet, sometimes it gives back. It takes so much from us. It, it, it ruins our brains. It robs us of all of our, our sanity. It creates anxiety. But every now and then you get a day like that where it's like, oh, it's so good. And then Vince Marrow, I, I think because his tweets and everybody responding to this kid's commitment got everybody all fired up about Mitch Barnhart and NIL and all this stuff. He said, I wa- he said today, this morning, 
I want to be very clear, this is not about Mitch Barnard. It's about people stepping up and wanting to help. The NIL is changing college sports, and I do believe once people feel more educated, they will get involved. I believe Mitch Barnhart is one of the best ADs I've been around. Sure. Sure. I think they're losing more and more people. And here's what's going to happen this week. Because the Kobe Keenum kid, if you remember this kid, the only reason why he, he sort of found himself in the middle of the UofL-UK rivalry crosshairs a few weeks ago, he was originally scheduled to visit Lexington the weekend of June 17th, which was the huge recruiting weekend at Louisville. He pushed that back, went on the Louisville huge recruiting weekend, went on UK, I think like four or five days later. UK folks said it was his decision initially to make the move because it was better for him to visit Lexington at that time. Of course, Louisville folks stepped up and said, well, he wants to be a part of the big recruiting weekend. And Kobe Keenum has played this up. He's been doing, he does the whole thing on Twitter where it's like, Hey, UofL UK fans, let me hear you. Like, once fight over me in your men- in my mentions. Let's make this happen. I believe he's going to pick UK this week, and I'm just I- I'm pre warning every Louisville fan that this is going to get played up to a very very high degree. This is going to be. I mean, UK they'll do the right thing here. The UK coaches because they see the fact that the fans are a little bit anxious. The fans don't like that UofL is is having some success doing the things that they were doing successfully like six years ago when they were starting the process of getting to where they are now, they're going to try to to comfort those fans by playing this kid up as much as they possibly can. And don't get me wrong, good prospect. Three-star kid. Um, he's number 885 overall prospect in the 2023 class, according to the 24-7 sports composite, number 74 offensive tackle in the country. He's got a good offer list. It's not elite but he's got offers from Mississippi, Mississippi State, North Carolina, uh, Louisville, Kentucky, obviously. Arkansas um, offered him. So it, it, he's not a nobody. Florida State offered him a scholarship. But it's not – he's not Madden Sanker. He's not Pierce Clarkson, not Ruben Owens, not some of these kids that we're getting. Not saying that – obviously Louisville would have loved to have had him. Not saying, hey, you're getting him because we don't want him. But it's going to get played up like this is the number one player in the country picking UK over UofL. Just – Pre-warning you. Get ready for it. Texture says Vince Merrill was wasted. I mean, yeah, he probably was. Although you couldn't really tell. He's he kind of tweets like that all the time. Like, don't get me wrong, dude's good at his job. He's gotten he has taken several of the best football players in this area, both in Louisville and the surrounding areas, away from Louisville and gotten them to Kentucky in recent years. He's good at what he does. He's not great at grammar. You couldn't tell if he was completely hammered or, or stone cold sober. Those tweets probably would have read the same. Texture says, is this a pissing contest? Can I say that? Between ESPN and Fox, then why, won't ESPN try to keep the ACC going? Well, I don't think they care because they've got the contracts with the other conferences. If they've got the SEC deals, if they've got the Big 12, they're going to re-up. They're going to have this deal with the Big 10. It's, yeah, I mean, they don't care. They're going to make money. And... I thought that during the last heaping of conference realignments, one of the more telling quotes that came out, um, I'm talking about like when BC left, when before Pitt and Syracuse left, when when all that happened, there was a quote from uh, Boston College's, their old AD. I can't remember his name. But he basically said, like, you don't get extra money for basketball. This is all about football money. And ESPN, they're the one who told us what to do. This was football and had nothing to do with basketball. Like, straight up said, like, ESPN told us what to do. ESPN's calling the shots here. 
And I think everybody knows that if they're not directly calling the shots, that ESPN and Fox are the ones driving the ship. This is a, this is not being done for the fans. It's not being done for the schools. It's being done for, for big time money. And ESPN and Fox and these conferences themselves with these TV deals, they're the ones making all this money. It's the driving force behind everything. I don't think I'm breaking any news here. Money, money makes the world go around. Uh, Texas says, I wonder if Vince has a son named Bone. Well done. Uh, Marrow, Morrow, whatever. Text that despite I absolutely go heel on us this week, he invited his new buddy Bam in wearing that shirt, stirring up the fan base, then left us with videos smoking our team on the court left and right, getting our players all up in a tizzy on the socials. We have to excuse D. Mitch from the program now, don't we? We can talk about this a little bit. Uh, so Donovan Mitchell, his appearance in Louisville, it started off, with, with kind of a whimper. Like, like he was just, you know, he's making his rounds. He was putting in some FaceTime with, uh, he took some pictures with the women's basketball team. Really nothing going on. Um, it was, it was all good. Um, then he spends some time over at the keeper center, plays with the men's team, and notably has Bam Adebayo, former UK player, there with him wearing a UK shirt. And that starts the great Bam gate. We actually didn't get to talk about that that much because in the middle of our show, we had the, uh, you know, the, we, we, the conference realignment stuff happened. And then we also had the uh, Monty Bates committing to Eastern Michigan stuff happen. So we didn't really get into the whole Bam Adebayo stuff. We also didn't get into the fact that D'Angelo Russell was there. Some other people were there, all that stuff. But now, yeah, we, we've got clips of him basically just destroying L. Ellis, destroying uh, all these different people. And... It's not that shocking. Donovan Mitchell's an NBA All-Star. He's one of the better younger players in the league. He's going to demand, whether it's with Miami or somebody else, he's going to demand a gigantic contract if he ends up leaving Utah. Yeah, he's probably going to be better than most college basketball players, especially ones that are coming back from a 13-19 and team. But the video of him putting in work that overtime got, the, the cut that they got, was circulated pretty widely, and L. Ellis responded to it. A couple of days ago, said I'm about to get my clips together, and Donovan just said, "Don't let the internet hype it." And Ellis kind of came back. Um, Jalen Withers had some thoughts too. Said they took it to overtime, and, and Ellis said, "Yeah, it's bad business." Uh, Peyton Siva chimed in as well. Ellis is kind of saying it wasn't like that. It wasn't like that. Uh, I don't know if it's a full heel turn, <laughs> but it was definitely something. Um, but the clips, yeah, it, you know, it's. They're Donovan Mitchell highlights. Nobody looks good in somebody else's highlights. If you're a defensive back on a wide receiver's highlight film, you're going to look bad. It's not going to look great for you. So I'm sure LLS didn't appreciate that. But hopefully we can get a, a highlight film from L at some point that shows LLS going toe-to-toe with Donovan Mitchell. That's yeah. yeah I'm not going to say he'll turn. It's going to be fine. Uh, speaking of Donovan Mitchell and other NBA prospects, we've had some some solid news, I think, for NBA players, L players in the NBA in the last couple of days. I think three days ago it was, again, holiday weekend, all the days run together. We found out Damian Lee is going to sign a one-year deal or has signed a one-year deal with the Phoenix Suns. It's going to pay him a reported $2.13 million for this upcoming season. It's an interesting move for Damian because if you're familiar with his backstory, I mean, he he plays the one season at Louisville. Don't know if you guys knew this. Didn't get to play in the NCAA tournament. It was kind of a big deal. He sort of has his future up in the air, does not get drafted, Gets on with a G League team. I think it was the main Red Claws. Gets injured during that G League season. He's back in Louisville. He's kind of trying to figure out what his next move is. He's, he's 
potentially getting into music. He did a radio show with me. Um, that was how low he got for Damian Lee at that point in time. He ends up getting a new deal, gets back into the G League the next year. Um, I think signed a deal with the Atlanta Hawks. He signs with the Golden State Warriors. And a lot of people, fairly or unfairly, say he only signs with the Golden State Warriors because he's married to Steph Curry's sister. Fairly seems like the more logical choice. I mean, he hadn't done a whole lot to to really warrant that deal, but he ends up, he sticks with the team. And when he gets a shot to actually play in games, he plays pretty well. I mean, he almost averaged double figures this past season for a team that won the world championship. So he's proven himself to be a worthy and capable NBA player. And now I think he's saying, oh, I'm, I'm getting a little bit up there in age. I'm almost 30. I think he's 29 years old. He'll be 30 during next season. I'd like to prove to everybody who still doubts me a little bit that I can be a viable NBA player and that it has nothing to do with who my brother-in-law is. So signing this deal with the Phoenix Suns, I think, is a good move for him at this point in time. And if he plays well in Phoenix, I'm sure he'll get another deal. Maybe they extend him, they keep him around for multiple seasons. Maybe he signs somewhere else for even more money. And if he doesn't, then so be it. At least he tried. I'm sure he didn't like At some point, you can't like the perception that you're only here because of who your family is. Happy for him that he gets a, a, another deal somewhere else. Speaking of being happy for guys, how about our guy Gorgie Zhang? This morning we find out he's also signed a deal. Journeyman now of the NBA, 32 years old. Uh, he has signed a deal with the San Antonio Spurs that will keep him uh, back in San Antonio for another season. He's he's 32. He's probably not going to be a part of the Spurs like long-term plan. But according to everybody in, in their circles, and this should shock nobody who followed him at UofL, He's a great presence in the locker room. He's a guy who could help out training some younger centers. They've still got Jakob Ertl. Um, They've still got uh, Zach Collins, if he's ever healthy. This seems like more of a team chemistry roster move. But for Gorgie, it's another year in the NBA. More money. He's leaving the Hawks now, back in San Antonio. Uh, he didn't get a whole lot of playing time this past season with the with, with Atlanta Finished the season averaging just 3.5 points and 2.8 rebounds, just 8.4 minutes per game. Very clearly coming towards the end of his, his career. So good for him to get that maybe last contract, get as much money as possible. I think Gorgie now has gotten to a point where he's forced, he's focused more on humanitarian stuff. You see him back um, in Sudan all the time. You see him doing stuff there. Uh, Senegal, I mean. You, you see him back there. His Instagram is loaded with him opening new hospitals, trying to launch new basketball initiatives down there, uh, giving back to the community. It's something that he always said he wanted to do. I, I remember him talking about that when he was at Louisville. He said, I mean, I, I made a joke at, during a panel discussion one time about him speaking five languages and how it's every announcer's favorite anecdote. And he responded very seriously and said, it's great that I speak five languages. It's great that I have the GPA that I do. But I found out pretty quickly here that that's not going to do the things that, it's not going to help me do the things that I want to do, broadly speaking. He's like, putting the ball in a net is what's going to give me the money to go back home and do the things that I want to do for my home country. And that's been his focus all along. He's gotten there. I Don't get me wrong, I, th I think he likes basketball. Maybe you could say he loves it, but I think he always saw this as a vessel to do more important things. And now that he's accumulated enough wealth, done enough during his pro career to probably have sustained wealth for the rest of his life and for probably generations of little Gorgies, I think now he gets to focus on what he really, really wants to focus on, which is trying to make the world a better place. And Gorgie, save us all. We need you, buddy. We <laughs> we need more Gorgies out there. It's getting to be a scary, scary place. Step up. Um, <clears throat> so good NBA news across the board there for former Cardinals. We'll see what happens with Donovan Mitchell. Obviously, the, the talk between him and, and Miami, the talk of him and Miami continues to heat up. Uh, we'll keep you posted there. 
Utah, meanwhile, just blowing up everything. They're getting rid of everybody. Rudy's gone. Everybody's going to be gone. Royce White's gone. Interesting trade. Love the Brian Windhorst quote. Uh, I, I would talk about the Wendy meme forever if I could. Uh, we have one hour left. We won't talk about Wendy, I promise. We get back into more of this conference realignment stuff. We do have DJ Wagner things to get to, and we'll take more of your text on the Thornton sex line at 502-414-1450. Also, I need a new show to watch. Stranger Things is done. Hit me up with your suggestions. We'll get to all that in hour number three. It's on the way next. Tuesday here in Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, I saw we have actually hit 100 degrees officially now. Second time this year, prior to this year, we had not seen 100 degrees in Louisville since July 2012. Uh, I know that, uh, Gary, you'll like this. Uh, Trevor refuses to believe the official like, like meteorologists when they give their temperatures because he believes the car temperature that is always like 10 degrees hotter than it actually is. So when he gets in his car and it says like 107 degrees because it's been you know, sitting in the, sitting the there in the sun, sun baking and then he drives a little bit and he's like he gets down to like 95 in five minutes he still is like no it's 107 degrees <laughs> he doesn't buy it it was 103 i was over at the uh jeffersonville location earlier today uh-huh. and when i came out at one o'clock and got in my car uh it was it was 103 and when i got on the road and started driving it went it went down to 98 and i believe that too today was the worst like walking to my car because i had been outside in the morning and i hadn't gone back outside until i came here and just walk in the car you just get hit with it you feel like you're swimming right away i'm like <laughs> oh, it was like a, it's like a 10 foot walk and i'm still like slow motion it's disgusting it's awful it's not the heat it's the humidity it's both yeah. Can we can we just do away with that? Like it's both. <laughs> it's like when people say defense wins championships. Well, offense kind of does too. You, you you need both those. You, let's 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 leave that idiom behind forever. You can't win if you don't score. Also, you can't have humidity if you don't have heat to a certain degree. Like we, the heat and humidity, they're both killing me. I, I don't like either one. Get them out of my face. Who is the comedian that that um, used to do the impersonation of John Madden? And he sounded just like him, kind oh, of I know a short, talking. stocky guy. I know who you're talking. He was on TVS for a long time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. He had his own show on TVS. He, he always used to do John Madden. John Madden said, now, if he goes across the goal line, that means he scores six points. <laughs> <laughs> Frank Caliendo. Frank Caliendo is the impersonator, right? Yeah. I think that's who we're talking about. Yeah, he was – people, people, people got sick of him. They, we got Caliendo all over the place for a brief period, but the Madden impression was spot on. It was oh, always yeah. so good. Uh, it is. I mentioned this on Friday too, Gary. I don't know if this is going to tug at your heartstrings the way it tugs at mine, but it is the last official day of operations for Village A Theaters. That's right. Oh. Man, they've been around a long time. I just remember it was always the theater where if you had the means to wait it out a couple of months when the new blockbuster was in theaters, <laughs> yeah. 
you could see it for like two bucks, and it yeah. was it was great. And you know, was the floor going to be a little bit more sticky than usual? Sure, sure. Might the you know the film split a little bit? It, it might have broken a time or two, and you can tell. You got what you paid for, and you paid for the experience. A little scratchy film, but that's okay. And if you didn't want to see Home Alone and wait in line with, <laughs> with everybody else, and you were fine with seeing it, I don't know, in like mid March after that, it came out during Christmas time, that was the place to go. That is funny. My wife and I went and took our niece to see Home Alone. After it had been out a while, and we saw it at the Village Eight. I saw. I posted the clip last night. I think my all-time favorite Fourth of July clip is the the baseball clip from the Sandlot where they're playing under the fireworks. Like mm-hmm. they go out there, and I think you know the, the, the Ray Charles version of America is playing. It's it's just an awesome scene. I saw that at Village Eight. I remember it had been out for a long time. You remember back in the day, like when you weren't just inundated with all this information about every new release, and sometimes you'd like look at the paper and you'd be you'd say. I didn't know that movie was out. That seems like it's okay, based on that two-sentence blur- like blurb. Let, let's go watch that. Maybe that, that's what we do with The Sandlot. I had no idea about this movie. We saw it at The Village 8 as a family. Walked away. Loved it. I'll love The Village 8 forever. I'm going to miss it. It's sad. I felt the same way about J-Town 4 years ago. That's where I hung out a lot uh-huh. when I was a teenager. And I really hated to see that when they closed. It's always sad. And I'm, I'm looking at the picture now on Twitter. Um, Mark Vanderoff from WOKY went out there and they've just got, you know, they used to have the, you know, they had the little tiles in the front where it said, you know, one, the movie that was playing and the different, and now it just says on the little tiles, like, thank you, Louisville, we'll miss you. Just, you mm-hmm. know, kind of like when the Vogue went out of yes Vogue Theater. That was a great place, to, great art house movies there. Now that they still show, they used to at least like, Seven, eight years ago, they would show, like, old movies on Saturday nights. I remember that was a thing yeah. for a while. I don't know if they still do that. but man. And, of course, Showcase Cinemas, also where I spent a lot of money. Now it's Costco. Yeah. <laughs> man. It's now 101 degrees, by the way. That's an, oh, thank Hot, you. Hottest day in nearly a decade. <sighs> Feels like it. I believe it. Man, we've got... Uh, yeah, we've got... it's. What's that uh, heat index at? I don't even want to know. I don't. I don't. I don't want to know. I you don't, don't want to know. I don't ask these questions. Uh, we were talking before the break there about NBA players going to Louisville, Texas. Says, I wonder if Steph Curry had a fight with his, his sister and that prompted Damian to go to Phoenix. I can't imagine. I, I, I can't imagine that that's what happened. I know Damian and uh, his wife. They just had a baby recently as well. So it's been fun seeing him on Instagram, becoming a, a new dad, and hell of a year for Damian. Have a kid, win a world championship, sign a deal with Phoenix. Uh, good for him. We've talked about a lot of things, covered a lot of ground today. A lot of talk about conference realignment. There's no question that remains the big topic of uh, discussion here in these parts. And really, in the overall college sports world, pro sports, you've still got stuff going on. Uh, I don't know if anybody watched any of Wimbledon over the weekend. I don't know if anybody watched, man, the Formula One race. This, I can say this now because Trevor's gone. The British Grand Prix at Silverstone was fantastic. One of the best races in a long time. Um, Shouts to Carlos Sainz getting his first win. Lewis Hamilton gets up there in the podium. Oh, it was wonderful. Insane wreck. I don't know if anybody saw that. Um, oh, yeah, that was terrible. It's terrifying. Yeah. If, if they don't have the halo, Zhao's absolutely dead. His head is is like going against the pavement forever. Like that was a, a t- And you could tell you knew it was bad because they wouldn't show the replay. Yeah. And the only semblance of hope that I had was – George Russell got out of his car and like sprinted over to make sure he was okay, which was an awesome move. And then you saw him going back to his car, his, his own car. So you kind of assumed like he wouldn't have left his side if it was like a catastrophic scene. That was the only thing that gave me a little bit of hope. And then sure enough, he was, you know, Zhao ended up being fine. Is Trevor a NASCAR guy? No, Trevor doesn't like anything. Oh, he doesn't like auto racing. Auto racing. Trevor's, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't want to talk about golf, doesn't want to talk about auto racing. He'll get into soccer a little bit, 
but he's he's not going to expand his you know he's he's reached a certain point. Most people do this when they're like seventy. Mm. Trevor's <laughs> Trevor's forty two, and he's like you know, I think he did this when he was thirty. Actually, he's like I like what I like. I'm not changing here. I'm done. I'm not expanding my horizons. This is who I am. This is what I like. I'm not changing for anybody. So he likes football. Likes football. Likes basketball. Likes baseball to a degree. Mm-hmm. Doesn't like tennis. No, not that no. much. He'll talk about tennis a little bit. Right. I watch. I don't know if you watched any of uh, while we're talking about stuff that Trevor wouldn't let me talk about. Uh, Nick Kyrgios versus uh, Marco Sissipas over the weekend. Kyrgios is the guy who. Like tennis people hate him because he's got a terrible attitude. Like fights all the time. He like, like he served between his legs at one point. <laughs> tried to get Sissipas uh, kicked out of the match. Like he's absolutely the tennis bad boy. And now he's in the quarterfinals of Wimbledon, and it's become this big thing where like will the the hoity toity like stick up their butts Wimbledon crowd embrace this guy if he actually wins it, or is it going to be like this new great rivalry? He's probably not going to win, but he's always been this talented. He's finally realizing it to a degree. He still probably has a big blow up in him, but he's he made headlines a few years ago, and I always kind of liked this about him. He got crap for it, but he admitted on the record that he doesn't really like playing tennis. He's like he's like, I don't like it. He's like he's like if I could play less tennis, I absolutely would. And people went nuts. They're like, because I think your general natural reaction to that is, if I had all that ability, that's a winning lottery ticket. Like I'm a millionaire. I get paid to play a game and travel the world and, and you know, meet all these famous people. Who wouldn't want that life? And for him, he's like, you know, billions of people hate their jobs and they do it just for money. I'm good at this. It doesn't mean I have to like it. I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna collect a paycheck. But if you want me to go out there and be like Mr. Rah Rah, like do everything by the book, happy that just happy to be here, like I can't do that. I don't, I don't like this that much. And I, I think there's some like, like, I kind of I respect him for. I think there are a lot of players who wouldn't be courageous enough to come up and, and just say that. And out say there. that, yeah. yeah. Boy, my wife um, actually I paid extra for the tennis channel on cable. Nice for my wife because she uh, used to be a tennis coach and at the high school level, and um, she hasn't been watching Wimbledon this year. And I ask her why not. She says, "Well, Roger Federer's not playing." I'm, I love Federer. I, I love him. I, I I just lost interest. You can have my sheep. She bought me a Federer hat one time. Roger Federer hat. We saw him in Cincinnati a few years ago. Got his autograph. I've never worn it. <laughs> Big RF. Uh, she also bought me a Dukes of Hazard. I've never worn that hat either. Well, <laughs> you don't have to say that on air, Carrie. If she's listening, she's gonna be disappointed. I love Roger as well. I miss him. Hopefully, he gets back to one more Wimbledon. I just want him to. I want Djokovic not to win. That's that's, yeah. that's my only rooting interest now. Preferably somebody besides Djokovic or Nadal. Oh, I, I still like have hope that Federer can stay at the top, tie at the top for all time Grand Slams, but probably not happening. But okay. Wimbledon used to be so much fun back in back in the old days when uh, HBO used to show Wimbledon during the day. Oh, they did. And and they would show the BBC feed, and then we were in London. Um, on a school trip in 1992 when they were playing at Wimbledon and it's great because BBC is non-commercial and they stuck with the tennis I mean you didn't have any breaks for commercials or anything it just kept going and going and going and and the BBC uh HBO back in the old days used to show the BBC's coverage of Wimbledon and then there started to be a lot of interest in it and then NBC picked it up and uh it was like a Dick Enberg. I remember I met him one year at Churchill Downs. Real nice guy. He was he really loved tennis. He was he was a good tennis announcer. I was a big Dick Enberg fan. Uh, he 
you talk about that the same way my dad talks about the, when, the, when ESPN had the NCAA tournament. Because nowadays you can watch, you know, they're all on different channels. But mm-hmm. when CBS got the rights, remember, you were sort of at the mercy of CBS. You only got the game that was on at that specific time. And they might cut away if the game got to be too big of a blowout. But if not, yeah. you were screwed. And my dad would always talk about it with ESPN. They would just, if you didn't have a game in your area, they would play the games on replay like all night long. And you could stay up like till 4 a.m. If there was a game you really wanted to watch, you could watch it after hours. And he loved that. And he didn't like it when it went to ESPN. Of course, now it's, it's sort of a moot point. Cause and, and Wimbledon, they, they replay Wimbledon uh, at night on the tennis channel because, of course, they're like six hours ahead of us. Uh-huh. And, you know, there's a lot of action going on at this time of the day when you're not home uh, watching television. So uh, that's one good thing that the tennis channel does. It's still on my bucket list. I'd, I'd like to go there. I'd like to go to, to Augusta to see the Masters. I enter that damn lottery every year, never win it. Somehow everybody else that I know seems, seems to, like, get at least a practice session. I've never gotten one. Uh, that's annoying but i'd like to one time in my life i want to go to augusta national and i really want to go to wimbledon we go we've been up to that um the cincinnati masters tour where they play that tournament in late august and we actually got to see i guess this was before kids this was like four years ago uh federer versus Djokovic in the final oh wow Djokovic won in two sets which sucked but we got up there early and like you got to they have they have all sorts of stuff you can do before and the, the women's final was before and we had great seats and we you know got to go inside and have drinks during the match it was it was awesome i highly recommend it if you just want to see some of the biggest stars in tennis it's great right before the u.s open to kind of get you the juices flowing it's great well what's the one place on your bucket list that you want to go um in, in any sport and you haven't had a chance to do it yet but you hope to get to it someday what would be what would be at the top of the list? It's probably Wimbledon, honestly. Yeah. Like I've always wanted to go. I grew up watching it in the summer. I was always super into it. It just seems like a you know, just a fantastic place. Augusta National would probably be second, and then the Rose Bowl I think would be third. That's cool. I'd love to go to a Rose Bowl at one point. My wife hated it when we were in London, and you know she wanted to go out to Wimbledon and. I drove her over to the and took a tour of the uh, BBC, the British Broadcasting <laughs> Company. Well. <laughs> We all have our interests. That's, That's true, yeah. There's, there's no shame in that whatsoever. Uh, <laughs> 502 is the, the Thornton Sucks line if you want to weigh in this hour with your th- questions, your comments, your thoughts, your concerns. Reminder again, it's Summer Cash Bash at Thornton's. Each week they're giving one lucky refreshing rewards member $10,000 all summer long. And then at the end of the summer they're going to have a grand prize of a 2022 Chevy Tahoe. If you want to get involved in this, you want to enter. It's very, very simple. Open that refreshing rewards app. Click on the Summer Cash Bash icon, and boom, you're entered. That's not all. Just by entering, you can also earn additional entries by purchasing select top brands like Mountain Dew, Hot Dogs, Bud Light, twelve uh, but like twelve packs, large Doritos, and many more using that refreshing rewards card. It's Summer Thornton Summer Cash Bash. And if you're not a member, and you want to get involved. All you got to do to get started is text Rewards to eight zero three one three today, and that's going to get you involved. Ten grand in a Chevy Tahoe. Not bad prizes for a summer. So thanks to Thornton's, as always, for sponsoring the text line. We mentioned uh, some DJ Wagner stuff. There's been a little bit of movement on this front, I guess, according to these uh, these inside riders. It's For the last month or so, you've heard people saying, I think one guy actually used the word lock to talk about DJ Wagner to Louisville. But very clearly, if, if you're a recruiting rider who's been trying to give some scoop on DJ Wagner, it's been something saying he seems like a Louisville lead at the very least. And now there seems to be a little bit sway back and forth. Now, I'm always curious if this is like legit sway or if there never was any sway to begin with and it's all people just trying to drive up their subscriptions. You never really know. But there are a decent amount of people out there saying, DJ Wagner to Louisville, maybe not quite as much of a sure thing as you're thinking. In fact, 
Travis Branham is saying it's more of a toss-up between Louisville and Kentucky. And this is going to become a talking point. And how much I'm buying into it, I'm not sure. My initial feeling is not at all. But DJ Wagner, he's in Spain right now. He's playing for the USA Basketball Under-17 squad. They're actually, I think they, they were just about to play a game an hour ago. I'm not sure how he's doing. But a number of college coaches are over there scouting, not just Wagner, but some of these other players in the USA team, some of the other players that are playing for international squads. Uh, one of Wagner's teammates is Carter Knox, who's already been offered a scholarship by Louisville. He's a member of the 2024 class. Kevin Knox's little brother. Um, Kenny Payne and his father have a close relationship. But Wagner is the clearly the biggest name over there from an American recruiting standpoint. Nolan Smith's over there for Louisville. Danny Manning's over there for Louisville. John Calipari's over there for Kentucky. And on the UK side of things, there's very much been a, hey, our head coach is over there. Where's your head coach? And we've seen the pictures. Kenny Payne's been out recruiting. It's not like he's just sitting around doing nothing. But if it does wind up coming to fruition that DJ Wagner picks Kentucky over Louisville, I wonder how much this gets talked about. And it's going to be a big deal. In a very, I hate to say this because, again, we're speculating, but this is what the summer's for. The DJ Wagner recruitment, we've said this all along, the losing side in this is going to have a stronger reaction to that than the winning side does. And the winning side's going to have a hell of a reaction. If you're Kentucky, you lose DJ Wagner to Louisville, it becomes Calipari once again seemingly had an in on the number one player. I know he's number two, number three, depending on the rival, or whatever scouting service you're using right now. But the, the, the perception is going to be Calipari had another in on a top player and lost him, and this time it's to Louisville. And now, is this a sign of things to come? Is Louisville here to steal some of our pie, to move in on our recruiting space? And if you're Louisville and you lose DJ Wagner to Kentucky, I think it becomes even more visceral. I think it becomes, look, we brought Kenny Payne here for players. We brought Kenny Payne here to recruit at a level that we've never recruited at, at least since Denny Crum in the 80s. We hired this kid's grandpa on staff. Dual role. I get it. Hybrid role. He's a UofL employee, not a UofL athletics employee. But we hired him on staff. We seemingly, at one point in time, had him in the bag. At least that's what people were saying. Did our head coach not going to Spain cost this kid? And if so, how is that forgivable? That will be the takeaway for some people. I'm not saying I believe in that. I'm just saying that's something that's going to be out there. It's already out there a little bit. I never thought that DJ Wagner was like a must-get for Kenny Payne. The longer this goes on, the more layers of this we peel back. And I think also the more that there's reaction to the current roster, the more I'm kind of swaying towards thinking, you got to get DJ Wagner. And if you don't, you better have a hell of a backup plan. You better have multiple top 20 kids. You better have multiple five stars. You better have kids that are right below DJ Wagner on that pecking order. Because if not, you've already got some unrest. And again, I, I think the unrest with Kenny Payne and the roster for next season, I think it's understandable, understandable, but I think the people who are using this as a big picture, we hired the wrong guy. I think that's far, far, far too premature. But if the season doesn't go well, and you can go back and you can point to roster construction as the reason why, 
We only had one guard. We didn't get guys in the transfer portal. We didn't develop guys enough. And on top of that, you don't have a 2023 class that looks the way that we were hoping it was going to look. And we don't have DJ Wagner headlining that class. And he's going to our arch rival after we hired his grandpa. People are going to have an extremely negative reaction to that. And I think at that point, it becomes understandable. So while I'm not going so far as to come out and say, I do the hot radio, hot take thing, DJ Wagner's a must get. I'm getting closer. It would alleviate a lot of the concerns that are out there. It would get everybody back on the same kumbaya, rainbows and sunshine and marshmallows, Cardinal basketball futures great train that we all were on a couple of months ago. If DJ Wagner goes ahead and commits to Louisville. And if this is at all like a concern, a legitimate concern, Calipari being there and Payne not, Wagner's there until the 10th. Let's go ahead and get Kenny Payne over to Spain. I think we can probably make that happen. He recently uh, talked to Cardinal Authority about his recruitment. This is what he, the most recent quote that we have from DJ Wagner on the record about his recruitment is saying, I'm still open, just really enjoying the process. I really don't want to rush my decision or make it too fast. Right now, I'm just taking my time and looking around at all the schools and trying to see what's the best school for me. Um, and as I mentioned earlier, it's not just Nolan. Nolan Smith originally was the only Louisville coach who was reported to be going over there. We now know Danny Manning's over there as well. Um, they're both recruiting not just Wagner, but some of the other players that are involved. But Calipari, he's there. He's still there. Been there for a couple of days. And if he pulls a rabbit out of his hat and gets DJ Wagner, people are going to be upset. And I'll add myself to that that group. I'll be upset too. If you lose DJ Wagner to the, the G League, if you lose DJ Wagner wherever, that's fine. It's not fine, but it's better than losing him to Kentucky. If you lose him to Kentucky, things get dicey. As far as how he's playing over there, I haven't seen any of the stats. I know that they were about to get going. Their first game, I believe, was the third. Um, we'll see. He's in action right now, actually. There's some highlights out there if you just Twitter search his name. Um, but most of the stuff is coming from rumblings of, of him being a guy who's leaning towards Kentucky now. Uh, the the update from him is USA team, they have moved to 3-0 and in pool play with an easy win over Mali. Uh, if you're wondering, the event uh, that's been going on back to 2010, the Team USA has compiled a perfect 37-0 record in this uh, FIBA Under-17 World Cup. So a little bit of pressure on DJ Wagner and company to maintain the status quo, but so far it seems like they are making that happen. Um, Trevor's texted in, by the way, Gary. Uh, just to say, Gary should ignore Rutherford. Dukes of Hazard is awesome. You do you. <laughs> I didn't say anything about Dukes of Hazard. Uh, I said my wife gave me a Dukes of Hazard hat, and I've never worn it, and I've never worn the Federer hat either. Yeah, I mean, I, I, don't, I, don't, I got a couple of mugs if you'd like to have them. <laughs> selective listening, Trevor. Come on, not saying anything about Dukes of Hazard. Just the good old boys, never meaning no harm. We told you never saw been in trouble with the law since the day they was born. Uh, Texas. ESPN reports DJ Wagner is committed to Eastern Michigan. There's a text I don't want to see. There's the, yeah, we, we, I, I know we didn't do the song, everybody. I'm, I'm, we'll bring it back. Uh, I'm not going to do it. I, I can't do it acapella. I can't do it by myself. I need the, the Game of Thrones theme. Just imagine it in your heads and it'll be fine. Wagner, DJ Wagner. If he did go to Eastern Michigan, then, hey, we have to get Stan Heath on the schedule. Texas, if my grand, Gramps is at a school, I'm committing now. Well, he hasn't. Also, 
whatever happened to the Dewan Wagner going to Kentucky thing? In a world where Dewan Wagner could potentially be on John Calipari's staff, that never really panned out. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. Uh, the DJ Wagner thing is elusive to me because people keep saying too, like Robert Dillingham committed to UK, that seemingly would take attention away from DJ Wagner. They both would be in the backcourt. They play together, and if they get. I think Louisville fans were okay with Kentucky getting Dillingham because it seemed like Louisville was going to get DJ Wagner. If Kentucky gets both, that's very much, and as somebody who has said a couple of times, Swaggy Cal's dead and he's not coming back, that would be very much an old-school Swaggy Cal move to get the the two best guards in this class, potentially, to agree to play together. It's something that should not seemingly happen now in this NIL world where Recruits can you know, they probably don't want to compete with other top recruits for being the man in a recruiting class, especially at a place like Kentucky. But man, if these reports are true, and who knows if they, if they are, we'll see what happens. Uh, it, it definitely. I'll, I'll say this though: if it wasn't apparent before that this is UK versus U of L, and not you know, I know he keeps mentioning Syracuse is out there. People keep talking about G League Ignite and some of the other what overtime elite uh, as potential landing spots for him. It's Louisville versus Kentucky. Unless some outside force gets involved in this between now and whenever DJ Wagner chooses to make a commitment, it's going to be the cards of the cats. And it's the highest profile recruit, the highest ranked recruit that both programs have been in on at the same time and that have seemed to have an equal opportunity for. There have been big time, like Louisville offered Anthony Davis, I remember like before Kentucky got involved with him. Louisville was one of the first schools to go after Anthony Davis, but by the time Kentucky got involved, it was apparent that Davis was not interested in Louisville and that he was probably going to go to Kentucky. That was not a recruiting battle. That was Kentucky taking a guy that they wanted. There's nothing to indicate that DJ Wagner, from day one after hiring Kenny Payne, has been a a stone-cold lock to Louisville or a stone-cold lock to Kentucky. Since in the last two months, it has seemed like both schools have had an equal opportunity to go get him. That, to me, makes this the most high-profile, Shakespearean, sexy recruiting battle that we've ever seen between this the, in this history of the rivalry. And that's, man, stakes are high, especially with Louisville being where it is, trying to get back to being in the conversation nationally, trying to, to get the program back to where everybody expects it to be, and Kentucky kind of trying to prove, hey, we're not falling off under John Calipari. We haven't been to a, a Final Four since 2015. No national title in over a decade, but we're still here. We've just had a couple of bad NCAA tournament breaks. If anything, it should make what we did in the first half of Calipari's tenure in Lexington all the more impressive. If they want to communicate that message, they need to get back to getting kids like DJ Wagner and Dillingham and then doing something with them. High stakes. Uh, We'll take your thoughts coming up after the break. 502-414-1450. I've got a couple other lingering thoughts on conference realignment and then some news and notes we'll get to. And also... The TV show suggestions. All that coming up in the last segment of the Mike Rutherford Show. Happy Tuesday to you. We'll be right back here on The Big X. Never meaning no harm 
Beats all you never saw Been in trouble with the law Since the day they was born Straightening the curves Yeah See, it's a good song Lightning the hills Waylon Jennings This just reminds me of this, Well, I've no mean to you, Gary There was a Nike commercial with um, Randy Moss and uh, White Chocolate, or who was the, the the basketball player. Oh, God, what was his name? Mike. Uh, was I just completely escaping me now. Uh, the, the white basketball player who was named White Chocolate. And he and Randy Moss had played in the same school in Huntington and grown up together, and they had mm-hmm. all these old clips of them playing together with that song. It was oh. a very, <laughs> it was a very, uh, very cool commercial. And now every time I, I hear it, like I think, one, Dukes of Hazard, but I think before that, that, that commercial. That's uh, funny Jason how, Williams, how yeah. you, yeah, how the music makes you associated with that commercial as opposed to being associated with the uh, the TV series. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Jason Williams at Florida Sensation, and then he became you know, white chocolate in the NBA. He was great. Uh, you should see this video showing pictures of of uh, Daisy Duke and pictures of the car. <laughs> <laughs> Some of those videos, Trevor will show me, like, because he'll find songs, and some of the videos will be like some guy. It's like a, a still frame of like a guy, yeah. it's like like an old man, like while the song is playing. It's like this is how I find these videos. I'm like, who's this guy who's been seen by 3.5 million people on YouTube just standing there, like in an island while the song plays? This has um, over 20 million views. It's unbelievable. Yeah, stuff like that is unreal. The 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 videos that drive me crazy. So my wife. We've, we've resigned ourselves to the fact that when we can't get Virginia to like chill, we let her watch the videos on YouTube where it's like people playing with toys. It's terrible parenting, but sometimes you got to do what you got to do. Right. And I'll like the first time I saw one of these now, nothing surprises me anymore. But the first time I saw one of these, it's like this older woman who's like playing with like Sesame Street characters. And she's like, oh, no, like we're in the sandbox and we're going to the swing. And I'm like, people make these videos and put them on YouTube. And. They, all, they make money at it. You it's know. like two and a half minutes, and you. I clicked off of it. The first one I saw had 10.5 million views. And I realized these people are getting rich. These, these people are getting rich off of this stuff. You know what the most popular videos are on YouTube? Cats. We watch cat videos sometimes. Yeah. Virginia likes cats. But so it was the day of the, the bad. We had tornado warnings a few months back, and we had to go to the basement. And... We're up late, and Virginia was. We let her watch the iPad for a little bit just to try to keep her calm. John was was still asleep, and she brought some toys down, and she was like kind of playing to herself and like doing like inner monologue, like narrating what was going on. At the end, she was like, "Thanks for watching my video. Like, please subscribe and like and comment and below." And I was like, Mary and I looked at each other. We we're like, "Well, on one hand, we've totally failed as parents. On two, we're like two or three years away from letting her launch one of these channels and potentially getting to a point where we can both quit our jobs. Like that, that's become the new goal. Like we will exploit this child to try to make millions off YouTube if this is still a thing in 2026. I waste a lot of time on YouTube, especially since um, David Letterman has started putting videos of his old shows on there. Oh, yes. Yeah, he sure has. I mean, there's there are even uh, he did a daytime show which was totally out of place on NBC uh, back in 1980 that that ran during the summer of 1980. He's even got uh, clips of that show, which uh, some of those are really bad. But uh, there's a lot of lot of NBC stuff and a lot of when he later moved to CBS. Oh, that's awesome. I need to go see the old Letterman clips. I wonder if they hold up because 
when I was watching David Letterman, when I first fell in love with the with his show. You know, it was before you could like rewatch everything. You couldn't even like watch, like unless you had like a VCR and you were taping the actual shows. You could right. rewatch stuff. But his old uh, drive-through sk- skits oh. on the late show. Like, I wonder if those old because when I was like a kid. Those are the funniest things in the entire world. And I know now everybody does some form of that. I wonder if I could, would go back and see some of those on YouTube and if they still hold up. And what they're doing now is uh, they're getting a lot of his uh, old writers and old production staff. Those people are getting on there and showing you their favorite clips from the show. And I remember one of the first on-the-street interviews he did. He went to a store called Just Shades. And he goes, well, what do I, what do I, what if I need light bulbs? And next thing you know, he's just bulbs. And I mean, something like that sounds kind of boring, but even he could make that entertaining. God, he was, he was, he was, he was that good. Still is. Uh, 502-414-1450 is the Thornton's text line. I've been asking, I finished, I finally finished Stranger Things last night. The last episode, it took me like, you know, four days to complete it. What? It was two and a half hours. I, I, I get like 30 minutes at a time where I can watch this. It took forever. Finally ended it last night. I have. Do you watch Stranger Things, Gary? No. Okay. Uh, but I do have a question about the show. Okay, hit me. Is that the show where they've been featuring a song from Kate Bush? Yes. That yeah, it was originally released in the 1980s and it wasn't a big hit. Yeah, Running Up That Hill. Yeah, and it's really a big song now, which I heard it the other day on the radio for the first time, and I thought it sounded kind of like a Madonna song. It does. I mean, it was it was vintage. Like I was familiar with the song. Trevor, shockingly, who knows everything about the 80s, was not. Like, he, he didn't even know who Kate Bush was. Um, but yeah, it's featured heavily in the new season, like, throughout the entire season. One episode in particular. That episode, I think, was the best episode of the season. I've got thoughts on the, the finale. I won't share them. We'll, we'll let a little bit more time pass. So how many How many seasons up. is there? This was the end of the fourth one. So okay. there's and only going to be one one left. Now, is it on uh, Netflix? It's a Netflix show. Okay. Yeah, Netflix right. original. It started in 2016. The, the weird thing with it, and Trevor and I have talked about this, is it started off, the kids were young, like, like, like you know, they're supposed to be like 10, 11, 12 years old when the season started, show started, which was 2016, and now, I don't know if you knew this, kids get bigger as time goes on, and it's kind of hard to maintain that same nostalgic feel when mm-hmm. the kids are, are very, they're doing the best they can, but the kids are very obvious, they've all hit puberty now, they're very clearly adults, and they're still trying to be, you know, freshmen in high school, which is yeah. a struggle. Kind of like on Young Sheldon, Young Sheldon. Voices change. Not so young anymore. And he's, and he's shaving. <laughs> that happens. And then sometimes a lot of those kids that, that played a role at a certain point, like they're not that cute anymore. Like two and a half men. I know a lot of people I'd never watched the show, but yeah. people said that, you know, the fat chubby kid, like those jokes don't hit as well when you're like fat 14 year old kid. No. And it's just, it's not as funny. It's, there's something about a nine year old fat kid that seems to play well with an adult audience <laughs> that a 14 year old fat kid doesn't. That's a good thing about cartoons. Exactly. They never age on Family can, Guy or The Simpsons. They can stay the same way. So I asked for a new show. I do need to watch something new. I want to watch the, it came out last week that the Red Wings Avalanche, uh, I think it was the E60 special. I thought it was going to be a whole 30 for 30. It's like a one hour E60 special. I want to watch that. But outside of that, I need a new show. So Texture says you've got to watch uh, For All Mankind on Apple TV, Mike. I don't even know what that is. I've seen people talking about it. I've got no idea what it is. I'm going to Google it on the fly here. Um, is it For All Mankind, American sci-fi drama? Okay, I'm down with that. I'll give it a shot. Three seasons, though. It's a lot of work for me. It's a lot of work. I mean, I, I, I got like an episode of TV a night in. It's terrible. Um, the next Texture says check out For All Mankind on Apple TV. Back to back. That's a very early success rate. Texas Peaky Blinders, I tried that. Umbrella Academy and The Boys have all released new seasons recently and all are worth a watch. People keep saying great things about The Boys. Trevor, I know, loves it. He's all about it. And I keep saying, like, because I know it's 
does he subscribe to every streaming service? He does, except for like one. Okay. And the thing about Trevor, though, if he, if he doesn't have it on a streaming service, he won't rent it. Like, <laughs> he draws the line. He's like, I pay too much. I'm not going to pay the two ninety nine to rent a movie. I, he did it for one movie recently. He wanted to watch rewatch Quiz Show, and he paid like four ninety nine to rent Quiz That's Show. That's a great movie. He's he's all about it. He's all yeah. about it. The one with Robert Redford uh, directed it. Yeah. yeah. Um, Peaky Blinders. I I tried a few years ago. I know it's weird. I, I was into it. I liked the first episode. I just kind of never got back into it. The boys, people keep telling me I'd like, even though I'm not, like, I don't do the Marvel movies. I don't, I'm not, I was never a big superhero kid. Don't get me wrong. I, I like the ones that I've seen. I'm just not, I never grew up reading comic books. But people say, even if you don't like those movies, you'll like the boys. But it's superheroes in, like, a dark, like, depressed world. My wife loves that kind of stuff, and I could care less about superhero movies. Um. People say uh, Succession, if you haven't seen it, just getting around to the third season, and it's good. I, I bailed on Succession. I, I liked it for the first season. I get I, I liked the whole, um, you know. Well, what, what get, getting back to Stranger Things, what is it about? What's the premise of the show? It's a group of kids in the 80s. Like, some weird sci-fi stuff starts happening in their small town in Indiana. And basically, oh. they, they discovered this one like young girl who has these superpowers who broke out of this asylum, and it's it's kind of it goes in a bunch of different directions after that. But that's the the basic premise. It was cool. I, I, there's a good nostalgia feel for people who grew up. Like it's, you know, I was born in '84, so mm-hmm. I more of a '90s kid certainly than an '80s kid. But there are still elements of it that I relate to and see and enjoy. Feel yeah. cool. like you know, this past season they're working in like a video rental store like just seeing those you know makes me all comfortable and warm inside i like going back to that place but it's a good show i, I like it a lot the the succession i like the because i think it's very loosely based on the rupert murdoch family i liked that element of it because i thought that the murdoch family and the succession story there is is really interesting i i don't know i just i, I didn't like it as much as everybody else a lot of people told me to stick with it maybe i'll give it a second chance but when you get into a show, do you like to binge watch? I do. Yeah. Well, I mean, I used to before kids. Now, yeah. I, yeah. I, the first show that episodes I, of Peppa Pig. First show <laughs> that I ever binge watched was uh, The Sopranos. I've never seen The Sopranos. Oh, I know it's really good. I know. Eventually, and, and Breaking Bad and uh, Better Call Saul are two really good shows. Too. Love Breaking Bad. I've not watched Better Call Saul. My friends tell me I have to. I'm I'm waiting for it to end so that I can stream it, and not have to sit through tons of commercials on amc it's the way to go yeah uh people keep saying severance i've heard mixed things on severance i i think the the plot the way that it's been explained to me is fascinating but some people say it's just too out there and like too like corporate all corporations are bad which you know whatever uh, i'm kind of with that but i may eventually watch it I don't know. I, I've heard mixed things. Some, some of my friends really like it. Some of them don't. 1883 is another show people are, are suggesting. Um, I've heard great things about that. That's kind of that sounds like it's more right up my alley. Love Sam Elliott. Tim McGraw's in there. Um, yeah, I'm good. I, I, 1883 may I may actually start start the boys. People keep telling me that. I like the premise, even though I'm not a superhero guy. It sounds like it's not like a real traditional superhero thing. I may try to start that. Uh, Texas is this, and I know Trevor's been watching this too. Only murders in the building, only murders in this building on Hulu. I just started the second season. Uh, Trevor's been that's the one with Selena Gomez and um, uh, it's uh, uh, Martin Short, Martin Short, and uh, Steve Martin. Exactly. And Trevor's been watching that. He really likes it. He watched the whole first season. He was getting ready to start the second before he left. Loot on Apple TV. I've never even heard of that. My love, I like Maya Rudolph. May watch that. And another suggestion for the boys. Hmm. 
I don't have Apple TV. I'm not rich. <laughs> we have a we don't have the Apple TV plug. We have a Roku. Yeah, we have Roku too. Yeah, which I like. I like way more. We used to have an Apple TV. I like Roku way more. The Roku I like though because yesterday there's a, a there's an app called News On where you can watch news from other local news from other markets around the country, and uh, I was able to turn on uh, CBS Two News yesterday afternoon right after I learned about the shooting mm-hmm. and I got to see the not not that they do I mean they do a good job on CNN and MSNBC but when you watch it on the local station you you get so much more out oh of sure it. that's a, yeah that, that's a nice little benefit I mean you can watch anything anywhere now and well you <laughs> you should watch some news sometime from like uh, hazard <laughs> they're new <laughs> and 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 like in alaska you know it's like uh amateur night I, yeah i i probably should but, I, they, I but that's that. where you have everybody has to start somewhere you do. and most people start in the smaller markets some get better some don't, some don't. but most most do this is mike it's ross if you haven't seen the sopranos that's the move man you will breeze right through that it's so dang good i know i would here's the, this is my big thing about the sopranos and I know people have mixed thoughts, but I know there's like I know what the ending is. And I know the controversy of the ending, and I'm like I'm big on if it's going to end in a way that pisses me off. I don't want to go through the whole process of like getting there. And I know I would enjoy it. I know I would. And there's a lot of episodes too. And it, it's it's a it's a it's too much of a commitment right now for me. Maybe when the kids get older, but then the show's going to keep getting more and more dated. I don't know. Maybe now's the time. Did you ever watch Orange Is the New Black? I did. I watched the first, I want to say, like two or three seasons, and then I, I bailed after it kept going. Yeah. Mary kept watching it, I think. But I, I watched I it all the way till the end, but because my wife liked it too, and so we, you know. Yeah. That was what, we started the show together. I think she kept going at a certain point, and I was like, eh, I'm not going to. I'm, I'm done with that. Same thing with Handmaid's Tale. We watched that for a little never bit. never watched that, no. I'll tell you when I bailed on Handmaid's Tale. Spoiler alert, if anybody want, is desperate to watch Handmaid's Tale, this is like after either the second or the third season. When she does all this work to make it out of Gilead, and she's they, they, their, their big plan that they've been doing this whole season to get to has worked. And she's out. She's out of the, the terrible, dystopic, like, like awful world that America has become. And she's like, you know what I'm saying? I can do more here than I can. No. No, 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 no. You don't get to invalidate the entire like last 13 episodes that I sat through just to keep your current storyline going. It's lazy writing. I'm done. I'm out. Boom. And it sounds like I made the right decision because people who like the MSL are kind of off it. And some of these shows on the streaming sites now, it used to be they would release the whole season like in one day. Yeah. And now they're starting to stagger. They're changing the it back time. up. Yeah. 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 So HBO, Silicon Valley, and Curb Your Enthusiasm. Love both. Oh, Curb Your Enthusiasm. Yeah. Texas, the ending will not piss you off. It makes total sense if you understand cinematography and scene building. Okay. I hear mixed things. Chase says, bro, just get an Xbox and get Far Cry. I don't even know what that is. I assume it's a video game. I don't. The last video game I bought was the NCAA football with Jared Zabransky from Boise State on the cover. I think it was NCAA football 08. It's from my PlayStation 2. <laughs> the sad thing is, like, I know I, if I got back into, like, video games, I know I'd be, like, really into it. I just, I don't, I can't. It's another time waster. It would just take too much time. I can't, I can't just, do it. Now, Trevor's into video games. Oh, yeah, big time. Does he like the, the sports video games like basketball and football? He does. And I know he's big into Madden. He's building a Lions franchise. He updates me on the status of that, whether I ask or not, uh-huh. on a 
fairly regular basis. So he's yeah, he's he's big into the, the video. I don't know if Trevor does like the the shoot 'em up games and the other stuff like that. Like the yeah. I don't even know what they're called. I'm so uncool. Like I shoot them up. I've lost. I've lost all track of video games. <laughs> I, I, I know nothing. But my buddy had a Xbox. And I live with him. This is and this is like ten years ago, um, and I love playing FIFA. But he would. We would every now and then they would try to get me to play like Halo and stuff, and I just, I didn't know what I was doing. I, I just I got would get frustrated. I can't learn. I'm like an old dog. I can't learn any new tricks. I'm done. At a window I, where I could learn how to shake. If I can't do it, couldn't do it then. If I didn't do it then, I'm not gonna learn now. I had I had a Wii. Somebody gave me a Wii years ago. We yeah, I had a Wii. And and I really I mean, I like the bowling game and um tennis uh, Tiger Woods uh golf and I hurt my shoulder playing that. <laughs> <laughs> and that's when I gave it up. <laughs> See the sad thing is like I used to at least know what people were talking about. Like this the, the texture was like far cry i'm like i don't even know what far cry is like I, I know halo i know the other one i used to know like the grand theft auto like i don't i'm so old it just it happens so quickly uh trevor's texted in to let people know i only play sports games the only exception is grand theft auto and red dead redemption yeah that's the other one i've heard and i know i'd like it i know i'd get into it but it, i know it would also just consume way too much of my time texas oldie buddy goodie freaks and geeks uh hulu and paramount i i watched i've seen several episodes of freaks and geeks i never watched it from start to finish but i liked it Texas Prison Break is a really good show. I never watched that either. I've heard that too, yeah. Um, Texas Matt Jones, an hour one of his radio show, has some really good comments on the state of NIL, and Mitch Barnhart recommend it for a listen. I don't know if that was for me or for KRC. I'm assuming that's a KRC text from Plumley Bro number one. I don't know. Well, we all know that Matt Jones and TJ Walker, they hate each other. They're just, they're blood rivals, despise each other. <laughs> TJ gets mad when I say that. But I'm sure they'll listen to KSR. By the way, Nick Roush. Other, the other host of KRC, 7 to 9, every morning on right here on 1450 The Big X for all your Kentucky insight and news and views. He chose violence today on Twitter. He's, he's fighting UofL fans left and right. He's talking wow. about our stats and realign. He's going at it with Mark Ennis. He's just uh, chose today to go at it. And he does this frequently. Like, Roush, he's, he, he's a closet Louisville fan. But he likes to try to distract people from that by being, like, standard uk troll on twitter every now and then he just has to like re-up it's like when you you know if you're a spy every now and then you gotta like punch a prisoner just to like keep up appearances but if you're technically like trying to work with the prisoners to break them out like you know stranger things it's a reference there that's what roush does he just tries he keeps up appearances every now and then by saying you know louisville has an under 500 record against acc teams and they've never played in an acc tournament semifinal just to do it just to keep up appearances but down low in his soul He's ready to go back to Cardinal Stadium. He's ready for those tailgates. He's ready to hop back on the volleyball bandwagon. His wife played UVL volleyball. Like he's he's all about this. This is that's the Roush I know. It's the Roush I love. Now looking ahead to the basketball season for UVL, are you going to be the the um, on the video again this year, like you were last year? For their sake, I hope not. <laughs> for their sake, you hope not. It didn't go well. That's for them. a vote of confidence right there. It did not go well for them last year, and. I'm also, I don't know if you knew this, I, I vo voiced the the intro video for the Louisville Bats this year. Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. I did. I was really hoping for a bounce back. The bat season hasn't gone great. <laughs> so a friend of mine was at the game on uh, 4th of July. She sent me a video. She's like, listen to that voice. And I'm like, how they do it? And she's like, they're down 4 nothing. I was like, well, that <laughs> seems to be par for the course here. I haven't checked the, la the latest International League standings, but the last I saw, they were, I think, in last place. So it's, look. I'm, and, of course, you can hear all those games right here. You can. On the Big X. And remind people, too, that it's not my fault. 
Like I, I can't stress that part enough. It's it's not my fault. Everybody's saying it's my fault. The bats are yeah, they're in last place. They're <laughs> thirty and forty eight. So not uh, better than the Reds, but what are the Reds now? I haven't been keeping up with them. Well, this they year. famously did not use my voice on an intro video this year, so they have no excuse. I don't know what theirs, but they uh, they they just keep losing. So you're saying that your your voice brings bad luck? I'm not saying that. I'm just saying in two very specific instances that should not be taken as a it's a small sample size. If you want me to voice your team's intro video, I will gladly do it. And you will have a fantastic season. Don't pay attention to what happened in men's basketball this year. It was not my fault. Uh, the Reds are 27 and 52, so they're they're even worse. The Bats took a leap of faith with me. They gave me a second chance. I think they would be just think about how much worse they'd be doing if they didn't use me on the video. 20 wins. That's what I'm saying. And let's not forget, like Louisville City, they had me out. I did the coin toss one time. They won that game. What was that right? They won that game five nothing. I did. I gave a pregame speech to the Bellarmine Knights one time. They won and, that game by thirty-three. Wow. The, there's more evidence to the positive than there is to the negative. Is all I'm trying to say here, Gary. Don't let the haters get you down. Don't don't let them influence you. Uh, Texas says Roush is a tool bag. Our version of Ty Spalding. <laughs> Every fan base has its douche. That's a that's a UK fan chiming in. That's not true. <laughs> Texas says John Wilner, the journalist who broke the USC-UCLA news, just tweeted the article of possibility of an ACC-Pac-12 merger that would bypass the Big 12. Hmm. Hmm. I mean, geographically, it makes zero sense. The school that is on, I mean, quite literally in their names, Atlantic and Pacific, joining to form one conference, meeting in the middle. <laughs> what are we doing here? But I do like the idea. If you join the ACC in the past, I mean, I'd have to read the story. This is just now being, this is new information to me. Um, I'm assuming it wouldn't be all teams because you've got 10 left in the Pac-12. Uh, I don't know. That's silly. And you've got 14 slash potentially 15 with Notre Dame in the ACC. So that's a 24-team conference, 25 if you add uh, Notre Dame. Somebody's getting left out of that. If, if they're doing a 20-team super conference, like, sorry, Washington State, you're, you're gone. You're done. Um Unless the other thing that has come out in the last 24 hours, stuff happens so quickly, it's hard to keep track of. I know some states were trying to enact laws that would basically say if you take one of our state schools that's in a conference, you have to take the other one. That's Oregon and Washington State and Arizona trying to protect Arizona State, Washington State, and Oregon State. Who knows how that would work? I, I can't imagine it would come into play. But some schools would get left out of this. BC, you're done. Wake Forest, get out of here. Bye. Pit, go back to wherever you came from. Sorry, Greer. Uh, that would have to happen. But that's, I mean, I don't know. Alliance part two? Who knows? Alliance with teeth, not merger. Texas, I was just reminiscing on the Dantzler cram on Gerald Honeycutt in the conference tournament. I love Damian Dantzler forever. If your initial thought about Damian Dantzler is a, a dunk, though, I would... Your first thought with Damian Dantzler has to be the three against Texas. It was one of the biggest no, 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 yes shots in Louisville basketball history. That was incredible. And then the Alvin Sims dunk in that game, one of the better dunks of all time. Just a fantastic game overall. One of the best games of my childhood. Texas, the CCC, the Coast to Coast Conference. I like that. If geography is not a thing anymore, and clearly it's not, then why not make this as ludicrous as possible? And the Atlantic Coast Conference joining forces with the Pacific 12 Conference is the best way to make that happen. Uh, let's, let's, let's 
we can end on that note. Uh, everybody have a fantastic Tuesday. Tomorrow, we'll have Matt McGavick from Louisville Report in studio here. We'll be on from 3 to 525. We'll give away for the, for the Cardinal Insider and then the Louisville Bats tomorrow. Hope you have a fantastic Tuesday. We'll be seeing you tomorrow right here at 1450 at 3 o'clock. Thank you.